Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. Because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America, Babylon, and transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite, you are listening to Omega Man Radio Network with Shannon Davis. Mega Man Radio Network. Tonight is a live show. Today is Tuesday, September the 21st. Wow, this week is almost halfway done. I can't believe time's flying so quickly again. Uh, if you are with me in this second program, um, you probably heard the last three hours of the show. We had uh, Pastor Charlie Holtzhauser on, and it was a great time in the Lord. And then we did uh, some mass deliverance over the air. So praise God for what he's doing out there. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in again. Uh, we've got a special guest tonight. We've got Jeannie McKeever of the CuttingEdge.org. We've got uh, her website address up in the show notes. And um, we're going to be talking about a couple topics tonight. To begin with, uh, what is the most important preparation that you can make in these times? And then we're going to be talking about a thing called the Mighty Mouth. It's going to be a great uh, program tonight, so without further ado, let me get uh, Jeannie on the line. Jeannie McKeever, how are you tonight? I'm doing super, Shannon. Great to be with you tonight. Hey, uh, it's a pleasure and honor to have you on. Um, I would like to have you start the the program out uh, by opening with prayer. Would you honor us? I would certainly be happy to do that. Absolutely. Father God, we invite your presence here. Be with us, Lord. Open our hearts and minds to hear what you would have us to to hear from your heart in over this next hour. Lord, we know that apart from you, none of the rest of it matters. That being centered on you, hearing from you, learning to hear your voice is of the utmost importance. And we pray that you would teach us daily to do just that. Now, let our words be anointed. Let our hearts and minds be open. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, Jeannie, tell us uh, a little bit about your uh, ministry. Uh, Well, we've been going since about uh, the late 70s, or around 1980, Omega Ministries originally, and the name now is the Cutting Edge Ministries. And it was 
started by my late husband, James McKeever, and myself. And he passed away and went home to be with the Lord in 1995. And over the course of our 20-year marriage, we wrote, uh, well, he wrote and I edited quite a number of books, like over 30 books. And, uh, and yes, I uh, the teaching there was of so much importance that even though he's no longer with us, that I should still continue to make a lot of these materials uh, available to the body. So I've continued uh, the Cutting Edge Ministries, and I've written some books of my own since that time. The Mighty Mouth that you referred to as one of them on the power of our words to build up or to, or to tear down. Yes. Very important uh, gift that the Lord has given us. And, uh, and, and the Wisdom for Living books, too. All of that can be seen on our website. Uh, Go ahead and give out uh, your website address. That you want that address? Yes. Give the... uh, okay. The the website address is www. the hyphen, and it's important to put the hyphens in, and you'll get either a knife company or a different ministry. So t h e hyphen cutting hyphen edge e d g e dot o r g, or you can write us at uh, the Cutting Edge Ministries, PO Box one seven eight eight. Medford, Oregon, M-E-D-F-O-R-D, Oregon, 97501, and I might as well give the phone number, too. Absolutely. 541-826-9877. So, Jeannie, I want to share with the listeners out there how this uh, interview all came about tonight. Uh, Folks, I'm holding in my hands a book by Jeannie's late husband called Christians Will Go Through the Tribulation and How to Prepare for It by Jim McKeever. Um, you know, that was a bold book to write back uh, in the 70s, was it, when uh, this was originally released? Yes, Probably. it was, and we had uh, quite, a people, quite a few people react just to the title. I don't know if you've ever heard of Jim Spillman. He's also gone on to be with the Lord, but he, when he saw that book, he called us up and ordered a whole case without even having read the book because he thought anybody who has the guts to put that title on a book when the pre-tribulation rapture theory was so strong. Uh, I've, I've got to meet this guy, and I've got to read his book. But anyway, we later became great friends and ministered together. Um, but yes, no. it was. And, and James felt quite strongly that, that Christians would be seeing some, some difficult times. And I think there's probably a lot more people that are willing to believe that now with the way the economy is looking and the world affairs are looking. And and he felt that part of what God had called him to do was in every way that he possibly could was to try to help the body of Christ get ready for those tough times. And and so that's what a part of our ministry was dedicated to. And um, we've got a number of books. We've got uh, some books that help in the areas of preparation, one called Preparing for Emergencies that would apply to anybody in a city or or a uh, small town or, or country, but just steps of just kind of basic preparedness. And then we've got uh, one that goes beyond that. If you felt God were maybe leading you to a small town or to the country to have some acreage and possibly raise some of your own food and those kinds of things, then there's a larger book called Self-Reliant Living that goes into those kinds of topics uh, on having a garden and, and uh, maybe raising a vineyard or an orchard or small livestock, those type of topics. 
in quite in detail. And then there's a third book that goes along with the Self-Reliant Living called uh, the Self-Reliant Living Workbook that has uh, over 200 black and white photos of how we actually did a lot of those things on the ranch, like hydroponic gardening in a greenhouse, for instance. And so we went through and, and documented those things and gave simple instructions And that is in a big loose-leaf notebook where you can add your own pages, like if there's some chapters where you've done some of your own research, they can be hole-punched and slipped into that notebook. So that's kind of what I call the the preparation package. And I'm uh, I'm sitting here holding these in my hands right now, folks. Jeannie was kind enough to send me uh, a selection of some of these books. And I'll tell you, these are beautiful. Now, I love books, Jeannie. I have a a lot in my library, and I probably have more... (laughs) Uh, just on display than I've actually read. But uh, I love and appreciate a good book, and these are professional. I just was uh, looking at uh, the binding on these and just the content. Uh, folks, it's so timely. You know, back to the point I was making that uh, this was a bold statement for you all to make back in the 70s. You know, uh, I believe it is still today, because if you tell the church at large that um, they're going to get out of here uh, you know, any moment, uh, and there's not going to be any persecution or tribulation, you know, um, they'll look at you crazy. In fact, I've had friends to the proverbial throw me under the bus and, you know, disassociate with me. You know, how dare you tell me that uh, we might be martyrs for Christ? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I always point people back to the fact, Jeannie, that uh, overseas, in China right now, people are having to worship in an underground church. Yeah. There are places in Africa that uh, if they catch you in a church, they will lock the doors and they'll set it on fire. Folks, there are people dying for Christ every single day. Millions of people dying. You know, in the last decades, they didn't get out of here in a rapture. And, uh, you know, don't take my word on it. Uh, What did Jesus say? He said that if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. Is a servant greater than the master? And so, you know, we've been called to pick up our cross, follow Jesus... And um, where was he going? He was going to give his life. And so we may be called to give our lives for Christ. You know, look at the 11 of the 12 disciples. Um, You know, they all died for the faith. You know, uh, John the Revelator died on the island of Patmos. The others were hanged upside down. Some were boiled in oil. Some had their heads cut off. And um, John the Baptist, he died. For Jesus Christ, are we any better than them? So, uh, you know, I hope that I'm wrong and that we get out of here sooner than later. But, you know, the Bible that I read, Jeannie, says that um, many are the afflictions of the righteous. And uh, it says that, um, you know, the Lord returns at the last trump. Now, the way I read that to mean that uh, if we are alive in this last day, we're going to see a lot of things happen before the return of the Lord, you know. Uh, just at a bare minimum, there are legal prerequisites before Jesus can return, and that is there's got to be a great falling away, and the Antichrist has got to be revealed. But then, uh, you know, people will read that, and then they don't read the whole Matthew 23, I believe it is, 23 and 24. It says that, you know, Jesus says, some of you, they will deliver up to synagogues and, you know, before judges, and uh, and they'll put some of you to the death. Sure sounds like a lot of persecution to me, doesn't it? Yeah, well, that's that. When you called me earlier today, and that's why I, I used the phrase "spiritual preparation" is most important, because even though we might be agreed that that God might be stirring our spirits to do some kind of preparations, 
none of it's going to matter. First of all, if you don't know the Lord, whatever's coming down the pike, that's that's number one. So if anybody's listening to this and they don't know the Lord, he's, he wants to hear from you. I mean, he's waiting. Uh, uh, that's the first step is to get to know the Lord through his son, Jesus Christ. But beyond that, a lot of people just stop there in their faith. And he's called us to so much more. He's called us to be disciples. He's called us to be overcomers. Well, what are we overcoming? And so that's why I think that the spiritual preparation, learning to hear the voice of the Lord, getting close to Him, seeking seeking first the kingdom of God, has got to be the first step. Some people, for whatever's coming, He's going to, to lead to stay in the city. And who knows what they might go through. They might go through something like 9-11 in a city, but they might be witnessing in their office building or whatever God's calling them to do. Somebody else, he might lead to go to a small town and uh, and start a home home church or, or something. Another person, he might lead out onto some land in the country, and, to, and maybe that's going to be a place of refuge in times of trouble. He's going to lead us all differently, but if you don't know him and you haven't learned how to hear his voice and how to take everything to the Lord, then, I mean, you're missing the most important step. And so that's why I think that spiritual preparation and, and hearing his voice is really the first thing. We, there was a song that I'd mentioned to you earlier that's on one of my two CDs, Content in You. And why I mentioned that song, which I guess you weren't able to get onto the show, but uh, there's some words in it that say, Content in you, alone with you, satisfied to know you, complete in your love. How many Christians have really gotten to the place where they can honestly sing that prayer to the Lord uh, testing me, I'm failing. Aching eyes look to you. The warmth of your love, all I need. You're all I need. Can we really say we've come to a place of trust, trust in the Lord that we know that come what may, he's going to get us through. If we've been obedient to do what he's told us to do, one way or another, he's going to see us through. Or like you said, maybe he's one that we've, he's chosen for us to be martyred for, for our faith. That's happened with Many believers all over the world in countries, as you've mentioned. And who are we to think that we're going to be snatched out without seeing any tough times? So I totally agree with you. Yeah, my Bible doesn't say any such thing. We've seen lots of believers before us who've gone through all sorts of horrendous things. And I think that anybody who really loves the Lord with all their heart, that, that they need to first... Put him first and foremost as their priority in life, learning to trust him, to hear his voice, and then he's going to lead each of us individually as to how he wants us to walk, what preparations he wants to, us to make, and where he wants us to live. Jeannie, um, there's people out there listening who say, you know, I'm a believer in Jesus, and I do believe we're in the last days, and but I'm just not hearing God. Um, how does one go about getting uh, in a position where they can hear the Lord speak and get the instructions of what he would have them to do. What do you recommend? Oh, well, spending time with him. It's a relationship. Uh, first of all, uh, knowing, he, he, knowing the Lord, is, is he's, it, it requires spending time with him. Spending time in his word is a good way to get to know his heart and what's on his heart, what's important to him. There's... Um, 
some wonderful aids out. James wrote a mini book years ago called How to Know the Will of God. That's just a little short 20 or 30 page mini book. That that's what would be on our website. Um, Stuart Germans is an, uh, an author in Australia. He's written a book that's also on our website called uh, The Spirit-Led Life. That would be a good tool to help you. Um, John Eldridge has written a good book called Walking with God, and he goes through kind of a year where he was just sort of journaling his personal walk with God and things that he was struggling with, things that the Lord was teaching him, how he was processing things that came up. Some people think that, that talking to God is just like, Grace, something you say right before you eat a meal. And hanging around with believers who passionately believe that the Lord can direct our every step, he really can, it's not just in theory, that's a good way because prayer to a large degree is something that's caught and not taught. I mean, somebody can tell you you should pray, but that just sounds like more legalism. But when you spend time with people who talk to God regularly and you pray with other believers, um, that's how you learn. Talking to God is just like talking to anybody else. But then you have to remember to spend time listening, to hear his voice. And the Lord can speak to us in so many ways. I'm I'm actually writing a fun little devotional right now called uh, Lessons I've Learned from the Animals in My Life. I go for a walk about five or six days a week, and I take a couple of my my two dogs with me. And God has taught me so many things through the antics of these dogs. Like, (laughs) for example, um, we've got a pup who's about 10 months old, and and they get burrs in them right now when they run up and down the hillside. So I've started putting them on a leash. And so I want to swing my arms when I walk, so I hook, hook this one... Uh, leash the uh, the retractable kind to this pup, so she can run out about 15 feet and come back. Well, the, whenever I first put it on her, she turns around and bites at it and and winds herself up and and fusses and complains and and makes all sorts of noise about it. And I couldn't help but think one day when I was walking, how like us that is, that the Lord puts some restraints in our life sometimes, maybe by an injury or by finances or the hours of a job or responsibilities of raising a family or whatever, and and we chafe at the bit. We we balk at his restrictions and we, we get frustrated because we're missing some of our freedom. We get our attention on the wrong thing. But pretty soon my little dog, after about an eighth of a mile, she knocks that off and just starts enjoying the walk. And I thought if we would just do that and just rest in the Lord that he has these parameters in our life for a reason and relax in it, be content in the Lord, like that song said, and and rest in him, you know, life could be so good. He puts boundaries there for a purpose. So anyway, that's just one way that the Lord speaks to me. The Lord speaks to me a lot through music. And uh, music activates a different part of your brain than just yes. rote memorization of scripture, for example. And he gifted you with a voice. Um, you've cut a number of CDs, haven't you? With uh, praise uh, well, and worship yeah, songs? Yeah, just two. Um, it, music is a, a passion and a love of mine, but you know you get busy doing other things. I, I do love to sing. But I really care, maybe because this uh, subject of the words is so important to me, I really care about the words to the songs, and and so all the songs that are on those two CDs are ones that have been 
really impactful and important to me at some point in my life. I'm looking at one of the uh, the CDs called Holy, Holy, Worship Songs to Lift the Heart. You've got some titles on here like Because of Who You Are, uh, Sing a New Song, Content in You, To Obey is Better Than Sacrifice. Now, that's a true one there. My grandmother always said obedience is better than sacrifice. Um, be Still, Let There Be Praise. Some beautiful worship music here. Um, what is it like living out in the country? Now, you live out in the Oregon area? Yes. Uh, yeah, we're, I'm out on 70 acres. James and I bought this ranch together uh, in about 1977, and I've been here 32 years, and doing some of the things that were on our heart to do, to learning how to live off the land and raise small livestock. We've raised goats and sheep and at times chickens and turkeys and a garden and uh, learn to do some of those things. Incidentally, might also be of interest to some of your listeners, uh, some of the, those kinds of skills that we felt were being lost to a large degree, like how do you shear a sheep? And and um, we, we, we started out making a series of videos. We didn't get as many of them made as we wanted, but some of them are, are still available. I haven't... Some of them I've gotten uh, transferred over to DVD, but not all of them yet. But we have... Like I did one on canning and dehydrating. Oh yeah. Ago and gardening essentials. We had a couple done by a, a master gardener, and we've got some on nutrition and those subjects. I also wrote a a newsletter called the Health Digest on nutrition for quite a number of years. So you all actually lived it and practiced what you preached, and well, learned how it. to live off the grid, so to speak, right? Well, not off the grid. We do have electricity, but we did have backup generators. Um, yes. But everything that goes... That might come a day when we didn't have our own power. Yes. And I believe that day is coming really soon. Uh, if This is my personal opinion, but I believe, Jeannie, that uh, the book that uh, you and your husband wrote so many years ago is for today. I believe that uh, we're at the uh, the beginning of the uh, the tribulation, I believe that it could uh, break it out at any moment, and uh, you know we've we've got some time yet, folks, before the return of the Lord, and it's going to uh, get pretty chaotic around. Uh, there are a number of people that I know, Jeannie, who have uh, the Lord spoke to and told them to get out of the cities. They've moved to various parts of the country. I myself, in fact, uh, knew what was coming on America that this would be like a ground zero, and I didn't want to be here, so frankly, I left. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, I know. I I went to Central America, decided to escape to Costa Rica, and lived down there a while in Panama, Colombia. I mean, I've been all over Mexico. But uh, yeah, no, that's that's not a bad idea actually. Costa Rica is a beautiful country, the land of eternal spring. Oh, it's it's beautiful. I miss it even now. But then I opened my mouth, and I told God, I said, I'm I'm bored. I'd like a job, and he he drafted me. And so now I'm back over here, at ground zero again. Yeah. Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> That's right. Well, that book that you've mentioned that, that caused you to call me in the first place, The Christians Will Go Through the Tribulation, I should mention maybe in case someone else is interested, we decided when that book went out of print um, not to reprint it because by then James had written another book called The Rapture Book and then these two that I mentioned already, The Self-Reliant Living and Preparing for Emergencies. Those three books really update and replace that book that you have. Yes. The rapture book talks about why he believed scripturally 
what you were saying that that Christians would be going through tribulation, why he believed that that's what the scriptures teach, and it goes into it in more depth. So if if anybody's listening and they've never really, with an adult mind, examined that subject for themselves from the scriptures, the way James wrote all of his his books is he put this he printed the scriptures right out in bold type, indented. Uh, in the in the book so that you can make up your own mind if you think he's interpreting it correctly or not. You don't have to flip back and forth and look up every reference. And I think that's incredibly invaluable. And so that's the rapture book. And then the self-reliant living and the preparing for emergencies cover the physical aspects. All of that was in the same book that you first mentioned, but in, in this version they're expanded upon and updated. Oh, and I should also say in the, the Preparing for Emergencies and Self-Reliant Living, both of those books have an index at the back that, especially in the Self-Reliant Living, it's, it's a very large index that's loaded with all kinds of sources for um, equipment, uh, greenhouse equipment or or storage food or all those kinds of things that might relate to a certain level of, of preparedness. And like I said, God's going to lead each individual or each family differently. So you need to learn to hear what God's telling you to do. But there's some basics on the physical side that one could start with, like having some water stored. And it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. There's things that people can do. Sometimes they think the first thing that comes to everybody's mind is food. That means storing up the the number 10 cans of of freeze-dried or dehydrated foods. And that's certainly a consideration and and something you might want to prayerfully consider, but that's not necessarily the number one important thing. When James wrote the book Preparing for Emergencies, he tried to put the table of contents in what he considered priority sequence, and food isn't number one. The most important thing is water. What are you going to do for water if there's some kind of disaster? And uh, things like light and heat and first aid. I mean, if there was some sort of accident, have you got a first aid kit? Do your children have a flashlight by their bedside if there was an earthquake and and you couldn't, you're, you're trying to get across broken glass to get down to your children's bedrooms? I mean, there's simple things that people can do if they start to think through. And food is way down, part way down the table of contents. It's not number one. And even then, if you're talking about, uh, if you feel like God would have you to have a, a little more than just some wet pack extra food stored, and I think that's wise for anybody. I mean, what if you couldn't get to the grocery store for a week? I don't think it's wise, and maybe it's because of my upbringing, um, you know, I just wasn't brought up where you don't have enough on hand where if, if visitors drop in for lunch, you can't throw together a lunch and, and share a meal with somebody. Amen. So if you can't get to the store for a week, have you got enough in your house? What if you can't get to the store for a month? What if you're if you're somewhere in your car? Have you got a small first aid kit in your car? Um, large black trash bags can be incredibly helpful for, for all sorts of uses. I used one for a poncho one time yeah. <laughs> in the rain. <laughs> yeah, especially Actually, down in those Central American countries where rain can start, start and stop in an instant. Actually, uh, way back when I was living in Tijuana, of all places, and uh, I had a job across the border. And as I tell people, I was so broke that uh, I couldn't even afford a broom at one point. That's pretty bad when you can't <laughs> sweep your four. But, so I got this job across the border over in Otay Mesa, and I'm 
walking across the border to this uh, warehouse job for day labor uh, years ago, and uh, I'm working at the rainy season. I walked through the border crossing, and the border patrol guys looked at me and you know, probably looked at me, you know, where did you come from? And they felt so far sorry for me, they gave me a black, uh, toughy trash bag. <laughs> I, I poked through, through two holes in it, and I used it as a, uh, a poncho. Well, it kept me sure. dry, praise God. That's right. <laughs> you triggered a memory there. Uh, let me ask you a question. Well, let me make a statement here. You know, what you're saying is so true because when the time to act comes, the time to prepare is over with. And many yeah. people think, well, I'll just go down to the grocery store. Okay, well, you and everybody else are thinking that, folks. And when you go down there, maybe you've lived up on the, uh, the East Coast. We get a lot of snow up north. Everybody goes down to the grocery store when it starts to snow or a hurricane's coming. Uh, you know, the shelves can be cleared out in three hours or less. And, uh, Jeannie, a lot of people don't understand that most of these inventory systems are just-in-time inventory. So, yeah. you know, there's going to be a truck that has to resupply them, and then they only keep 30-day supply of food at the warehouses. So very quickly, there could be no resources in the system to buy even if you had the money to do it, if you wait to the last minute. Right, uh, right, exactly. And something as simple as storing some water, I mean, anybody can do that. Like yes. I said, it, it doesn't have to entail a lot of cost. You can start with wherever you're at, and if that just means going around your neighborhood and collecting some food-grade, uh, however many liters, those, I don't drink soda pop, but those uh, plastic Two-liter bottles? bottles? Yes. From soda pop, you know, that you can store water in and and reading up about how much chlorine to put in it to keep it so it doesn't uh, uh, grow anything in the water, and then just sticking them in a closet in your house if you live in the city or wherever, finding a... I mean, there's simple things like that that can be done that don't have to cost money. And in uh, one of those two books, we have a, a, a low-cost food storage program is included. If you don't have to buy the number of 10 cans of dehydrated and freeze-dried foods, you can buy... Buckets, or you can do your own and get dry ice and and do your own preserving of of beans and legumes. But if you're going to do that, then you want to learn how to use them now when times are good, so yes. you don't get into a disaster situation and you got a bucket of soybeans and you don't know how to cook them. But many legumes and grains can be stored for years without any problem, and uh, some of that is just wisdom. But the Lord, again, may not lead everybody the same way. What would you do in the case of, um, let's say, uh, protein? Um, what kind of um, long-term uh, protein can you store? I know that's very important. Well, there's the freeze-dried meats that are very good now. There's a company called Alpine Air uh, that uh, has got the best storage foods that I've run across, and a good friend of mine, Don McElvaney, I don't know if his company... Oh, yes, McElvaney. Sports, I remember that, McElvaney intelligence ICA. They yes. also sell gold coins. I highly recommend them. He's been in the business over 30 years, and he's a Christian brother who believes, as we do, that spiritual preparation is most important, but that's his tent-making has been, his, his company that, that sells the gold and silver coins. Uh, what about something like uh, canned tuna? How long would that last? Well, that's what uh, you would call wet pack food, and that would okay. be fine. 
What they say, I think, is a year, one to three years on canned food is all they tell you, but I've had canned food a lot longer than that that I've used. You want to be careful if the cans start looking uh, bulged, like there's air inside when the shape of them looks funny, then you wouldn't want to trust them. But that's called wet pack food. That's just a, that's a normal, that's a, a natural thing to me to store up a little extra wet pack food. Um, so that can be canned vegetables, and then, of course, you can uh, can fresh vegetables if you know how to can them, correct? Sure. In and jars? Now, you know, I wasn't raised on the farm. Uh, I don't even think I could milk a cow. By most of us, <laughs> my generation, you know, we're raised in the city. Maybe we've never even been to a farm. You'd be uh, surprised, but I'd recommend getting milk goats instead of cows if you're thinking of milk. Really? It's- it's better milk for you. It's closer to uh, mother's milk. The size of a goat is about the same body weight as a human when they're grown, where a cow grows very quickly to be like a 1,200-pound animal, and the casein content in cow's milk is like 300 times what it is in mother's milk. It's really not very digestible to humans, and it causes a lot of food allergies. Consequently, a lot of people are lactose intolerant. You might have heard oh, of that. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, goat's milk is much more digestible. If you're going to drink milk, we raised goats here on the ranch for quite a few years. Actually, we have goats again, but they're they're meat goats and not milk goats. We had Nubians for milk, and now we've got boar goats for meat. So you did all... Grains and beans. You can have, you can have a, uh, a complete protein with grains and beans and corn, okay. and those things are very store, storable in, uh, in, the, in the bulk buckets that I was talking about. Yes. So I'm trying to think of ways for people to keep their costs down, and if you're starting on a low budget like a lot of people are going to be doing these days, um, that would be a, an easy way to start is get some buckets of, of legumes and grains. Uh, in fact, I, I've done that in the past. One time I went down to like a Home Depot and got like a big five-gallon uh, plastic bucket. Mm-hmm. And um, I just bought some bulk rice, for example, uh, put it in some plastic bags, threw in a couple oxygen absorbers and tied it off real good. I didn't know anything about really the dry ice technique, which I probably should have done, and uh, put some more absorbers in there, and then I, I you know, put the lid on with a rubber mallet. Uh-huh. And... and um, I probably need to open one of those and see if there's any weevils in there. But even, even if <laughs> yeah, you get weevils, well, and then the other thing that people tend to not do is they don't they put their storage food away and and leave it for thirty years and don't look at it. But um, it, like with your wet pack food, it's good to get where you use up what's the oldest. Get a system where you're so that you're rotating it all the time. Yes. That way, because wet pack food, like you were talking about, a can of tuna. That's not going to last that many years, and so you want to always be sure that you've got a system where you're using the oldest first. So you learned uh, and actually put into practice how to do things from canning to farming to raising animals, uh, uh, filtering water, really how to live off the land and survive if the system were to collapse, didn't you? Well, that's that was the goal. We did as much of that kind of thing as we could, and I haven't been able to keep all of that going when after James was gone. Um, but we we did a lot of learning, and we tried to document what we were learning in in the workbook with all the pictures to help other people. Like hydroponic gardening in the greenhouse, as opposed to planting things in dirt, was a good learning experience, and 
hydroponics is very easy. You can set things up on a timer because we were traveling a lot in those days. We were gone about a third of the time. So we had our greenhouse set up where uh, the timers would come on for about 15 seconds or 30 seconds a couple of times a day and water directly into the plants. We tried it a couple of different ways and found oh, out neat. that was the most efficient was to put the little tubes in each bucket and uh, and let the, the water just come on for a very brief time and, and it saved water and it recirculates back into a nutrient tank and it was... It was a great learning experience. Well, you know, um, knowledge is power. And, you know, the word says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You know, a lot of people uh, have no idea what to do uh, in a time of crises. Uh, maybe they've never even uh, had to think about it. You know, being in the city, you could get anything you wanted. You know, a lot of people say, you know, I just go out and go to the grocery store tonight and buy what I need for dinner. And they may only think a day or a couple days out, but... Uh, the system's going to collapse, folks, and uh, you need to have your spiritual house in order, number one, and then uh, do what God asks you to do. And some of us, he is asking to uh, prepare uh, to help not only our families but others uh, in a time of trouble. You know, he uh, he told Noah what to do, and he built an ark for the saving of his family. He told Joseph what to do, and because of his obedience to the warning he received from the Lord, he um, saved his family whole nation of Israel. Right. And uh, I believe that he's calling people to, to even do that in this hour. And, um, you know, whatever God has called you to do, folks, he will give you the resources to carry it out. And we can all do something. Um, I tell people, even if, you know, just get one bag of rice and some cans of tuna, that's better than uh, getting into a FEMA food line. Because, unfortunately, uh, a lot of those lines are going to be one way into the, the camps and you don't get out, in my opinion. <laughs> Although, again, I would say the more important than food is water, water, water. Yes. um, And learn how to drink, learn how to like water and not soda pop and all that stuff that's become a staple of our diet. There's absolutely no food value in soda. It it takes away from your health. Uh, Jeannie, um... Uh, Anyway, and then things like like light, flashlights and having up-to-date batteries. You can store batteries in your freezer to keep them fresh having extra batteries on hand and so you don't have to run down to a store if you needed them in a crisis situation or you couldn't get your car down the road because there was a roadblock. And then some sort of first aid uh, capability. All those things come even before the food consideration and importance. You know, how long can a person go without uh, drinking water? Not very long, Uh, can they? I think three days. Yeah, it's not long, folks. I mean, uh, you can go a long time without food. Not a, Yeah, you can go a lot longer. I mean, Jesus went 40 days, and a lot of people since have gone 40 days without food. You know, I, uh, I've i been that. purposely carrying an extra 50 pounds of weight. I figure I can live an extra six to eight weeks that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an interesting... <laughs> I'm carrying around my, uh, my hard times. I've heard it that way. Something else that's, I think, very important, and... Uh, James has it in the Preparing for Emergencies book. He's got a chapter called Family Action Plan for Emergencies. It's really good for your family, children included, depending on the ages, to know where the gas main is to turn off the gas to your house if there was fires uh, because of some kind of emergency. And you can actually, like, 
have take a weekend and and see how prepared you are. Pretend that you couldn't go to the store and you uh, and you, you couldn't and see if what you've got in your house, depending on whatever kind of emergency you're pretending there is, um, and see how well that you fared for the weekend. A two-day test. He outlines that in chapter 11 of that book and see how you do for two days and and then. Uh, maybe even well, there's in the the workbook. There's actual forms that you can fill out of a preparation action plan uh, of doing things like maybe Daddy's going to store some water, and maybe uh, John is going to purchase some extra batteries, and maybe Mother's going to increase the number of wet pack food reserves that she does. And then when you get to a a maintenance plan, then uh, Maybe once a year, the first of the year or the first month of the year, you check the flashlights and you assign that to somebody in the family. Or you recharge the fire extinguishers. I mean, a lot of us, we buy a fire extinguisher and, and set it there and assume it's good forever. Uh, and, we, and you replenish the first aid supplies. I mean, whatever it is, you make up your list, but there's some ideas in that chapter and some forms in the workbook that you can actually fill out. And then now, it's Jeannie, not a bad idea to just like on a uh, a weekend sometime turn off the power yes. and the water coming into your house and the gas. And if you couldn't get to the uh, if the roads were impassable, you couldn't go to the drugstore. Do you have any drugs that any members of your family need or rely on? If you couldn't get to the grocery store or the gas station, how would you fare in your house? It's Amen to that. Uh, I've experienced some of that even last year when I was in. Uh, Costa Rica, we, we would have frequent water outages and power outages. And I'll tell you, folks, if you haven't lived through that and don't know what to do, um, that's not the time to start learning. You want to get prepared yeah. ahead of time. And uh, you all have you all been there and done that, Jeannie, and you actually wrote books to teach people, starting from scratch, um, what they can do to get prepared. And I would recommend uh, the books called Preparing for Emergencies, and self-reliant yeah, living. That's what I was just telling you about that has that uh, family action plan for emergencies in it. And I might say, Shannon, um, something that I was thinking to, of offering to your listeners, if anybody wanted to contact us either on our website or call that phone number, 541-826-9877, or mail into the P.O. box, whatever is easiest for you, if you said that you listened to this Omega Man radio show, and uh, and you're responding to to my offer on this show on uh, September twenty first. Um, I would like to get, offer your listeners fifty percent off on wow. any. That's on anything that we publish. That's not everything on our website because we do distribute for some other publishers. But if it's any of the books by by James McKeever or by me, uh, Jeannie McKeever, that have. Um, that if we have a sufficient quantity left, there's some titles we're getting low on. But the ones that I've been talking about tonight, the Preparing for Emergencies, the Self-Reliant Living, and the Rapture Book, the Preparation, well, and the, the Self-Reliant Living Workbook, those three, so Preparing for Emergencies, Self-Reliant Living, Self-Reliant Living Workbook, that's the preparation package. That would be all three books, like, for $45 instead of $90, so it's a, a great savings on... On any of these, it would plus shipping, and the shipping is going to vary with whatever the weight is. Another oh, that's uh, awesome. 
trilogy that might be significant to some of your readers is what I call the Prophecy Trilogy. Tell us about that. It's three books that James wrote on the subject of prophecy. Uh, One of them is the Rapture book that I mentioned before. That's the one that kind of takes the place of the Christians going through the tribulation, the the scriptural side of why he believes that the the scriptures teach that Christians will be going through some tough times and the uh, tribulation. Um, That would be one book. There's another one called uh, The Future Revealed. And he felt that he was praying one day and he and he said, Lord, you know, all these prophetic writings and they can be so confusing to people and some people are just scared of prophecy so they totally stay away from it. And and if there was just one, is there any way that some that we can line up these books of the, or these prophetic writings? And he felt like the Lord showed him something very significant and there is a way to, to, to line up like the book of Amos and the book of Daniel and Revelation and some of these prophetic writings. And that's what he talks about in The Future Revealed. It's a very good um, book about prophetic writings where he kind of brings them all together in one volume and, and discusses how they line up with each other. Uh, and then the third one in that prophecy trilogy is is Revelation for Layman, and it's a chapter-by-chapter study through the book of Revelation. A lot of people are afraid of the book of Revelation. And it's the only book in the Bible that starts out saying, blessed is he who reads this book, and then it ends by saying the same thing. Blessed is he who reads and heeds the words in this book. So obviously God thought that prophecy was significant enough that it's a significant part of the Bible, and uh, and it, but he doesn't want us to be afraid of it. Sometimes we think, oh, all these symbols and monsters and things, and, and we just don't want anything to do with it. But he put it in there for a reason, and it's so that we can be prepared. It's so that Amen. we can recognize the times and seasons in which we live. He wants us to be prepared. He wants to speak to us. And so those three books together um, would normally be $28. If you, again, respond to this offer, to this Omega Man radio offer, uh, and say that when you write in or, or or email us. I'll try to put a special page up on the website. It's not there yet. Give out uh, your website about. again. The website is www.the-cutting-edge.org, O-R-G. Or if you want to email us, you can email us at edge at the hyphen cutting hyphen edge dot org org. And Jeannie, for those that would like to call and give out your phone number again. Okay, and our phone number is five four one eight two six nine eight seven seven. Now Jeannie, uh, I also wanted you to talk about uh, a thing called the Mighty Mouth. What is that about? The Mighty Mouth is a book that I wrote uh and again it would be part of that 50% off offer, too. Um, it, it actually was a chapter that I pulled out of a longer book that I started writing about 20 years ago, and I still haven't finished. I've got about eight books underway right now. I'm writing the book on been, my life, too. <laughs> I've never been bored in my life. There's just so many fascinating things to do. It's just finding the time to do them all. But, but this is a subject that's always been close to my heart, is the power of our words. The way we can build up somebody with a word or we can tear them down and, and crush them uh, is always been a sub. Well, 
you're probably familiar, and maybe you, many of your readers are too, with uh, or your listeners, excuse me, with Proverbs eighteen twenty one, the verse that says, "Death, life, excuse me, death and life are in the power of the tongue." And we're made in God's image. God spoke the word into being, and we have the power also to speak life into other people, into everybody we touch. But conversely, we can also speak death. We can tear people down. A a wife can make her husband feel so valued and important and like she's so proud of him, but she can also so easily crush him and vice versa. And and it happens happens all the time. Um, Spouses crushing one another or parents with children it can, it can make such a difference, and so this is a subject that's been such so vitally important to me for so many years that I uh, eventually I pulled this one chapter out of this longer book, and I ended up I thought, well, I'll just write a mini book about it. But there's so much that the scriptures have to say about the power of our words that it it still ended up being five chapters. Like there's a verse in Proverbs 12, verse 18 that says, "There's one who speaks rashly, like the thrust of a sword." but the tongue of the wise brings healing. We have the power to bring healing with the words of our mouth. And I just think it's so important that when we're talking about being spiritually mature, that learning how to use our words wisely is, is this a subject that gets me very excited. And, and I can talk a lot about it because I think it's really important. Speaking of marriages, here's a, uh, John Gottman Dr. John Gottman did a, I think it was a 20-year study where he studied marriages and people came and actually lived in this facility. Uh, and he wrote a good book about uh, why marriages succeed or fail. I think the title was something like that. Yes. But I quoted this little paragraph about marital conflict where he says, What really separates contented couples from those in marital misery is a healthy balance between their positive and negative feelings and actions towards each other. In our research, we found that in stable marriages, there was a very specific ratio that exists between the number of a couple's positive interactions, touching, smiling, paying compliments, laughing, and their negative ones. The magic ratio is five to one. In other words, as long as there is five times as much positive feeling and interaction between a husband and wife, as there is negative, we found that the marriage was likely to be stable. Based solely on this ratio, we were able to predict whether couples were likely to divorce. Isn't that amazing? Wow. And I know that that he's talking about more than our words there with touching and smiling, but paying compliments and and positive words is part of that. And and it's a significant part. Amen to that, because... uh... As you mentioned, life and death is in the power of the tongue, and you know we can bless or curse. And um, right. as many of the listeners know to this show, we do a lot of programs relating to spiritual warfare. You know, there are folks, there are witches and warlocks out there that uh, are cursing Christians and pastors, and you know these spoken words have power, um, yes. and they know that. And so we've got to know how to do spiritual self-defense. We need we need to be very careful what we say with our tongue, because we could be cursing someone, you know. Um, we could also bless. bless. So, you know, the, the word says that we will give an accounting for every idle word spoken. 
Right, exactly. Now, there's so many wonderful scriptures about the power of our words, and words can be used, like you're saying, as a spiritual weapon. I'll, I'll, I'll touch more on that in a minute, but um, for before I leave this page, there's a, a renowned psychologist named B.F. Skinner, and his research made it clear that a child, or anyone else for that matter, learns significantly more from being praised for what they're doing right than from being punished for what they're doing wrong. So there's an example right there of the power of, of praise, the power to build up with, with positive words. Yes. And, I mean, you know, um, a parent could say to a child, you know, you're never going to amount to nothing. Yeah, and, you know, or you're just a dentist, the menace, and guess what they get? You're just like your dad, you know. Um, and, you know, that actually has effect, folks. It's going to go out into the atmosphere. It's going to affect that child. And, um, you know, you just curse them. You know, I hope I hope you die. You know, we've heard that too. You know, uh, you know, you, you, yeah. <laughs> these things can take a life on of themselves, and uh, we've got to be very careful what we say. And you know, if we can't say anything good, like Chuck Norris says, he says, "I just don't say anything at all." We've got to be very careful, but uh, we want to also bless people and um, and build them up. And uh, you know, I heard uh, speaking of spiritual warfare, there's a, um, a minister named Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Uh, he walks in the, the offices of a prophet. He's with World Ministries International. I met the man, a real man of God. He said that, uh, Gina, he was in service one day, and God gave him a vision into the Spirit. And he actually looked on the front row where he was preaching in this church, and there were two angels there, scribes. Huh. And he, he asked God, you know, what are, what are they doing? And he says, uh, they're recording every word that you're saying. So huh. uh, you better be very careful what you say because you're going to give an accounting for it. Right, and sometimes I don't think that we really, well, I, I don't think that the average person and, and Christian has any idea, has really apprehended the power that we have in our spoken words. Like I said a minute ago, we can use words as a positive, offensive weapons as well, like you're talking about spiritual warfare. And Thanksgiving is an example. Thanksgiving is a positive way to use our words and it can be powerful spiritual warfare um psalm 34 you're probably familiar with this passage starting in verse one i will bless the lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth that's you can that's also a song so you can sing those words my soul shall make her its boast in the lord the humble shall hear of it and be glad oh magnify the lord with me and let us exalt his name together we can offer up vocal thanksgivings to the Lord and instead of all the complaining and criticizing and other things that, that tend to want to come out of our mouths. I think Job is a wonderful example because all of the the trauma the whole that Job went through through the whole book of Job right up until the end, and in the midst of what all of that, Job chose to worship God. I think that's phenomenal even when his own wife is encouraging him to curse god how does he reply in job 2 10 he says shall we indeed accept good from god and not accept adversity in all this job did not sin with his lips so we can sin with our lips and we do it every day with careless and idle words and by complaining and griping and not um offering thanksgiving i think sometimes that can be sin Wow, yeah, you know, that is that is true. Um, it's easy to praise God in the good times, but uh, when we're tested, 
or we're going through some hard times, will we have the same attitude? Well, we know that uh, what murmuring and complaining did to the children of Israel when they left Egypt, many of them as a result of, you know, God got angry and they died in the desert. And um, they were so close to the promised land. But, you know, the murmuring and complaining took them around the block 40 years. Uh, Job. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about around the block and around, around and around the mountain. And Paul and Silas would be another good example. They're in prison, and they could be saying, "Oh, woe is me! What are we? Oh, how are we going to worry and complain and sweat and fear?" But what were they doing? They were praying and singing praise to God in prison. And then God performed a miracle and shook the prison and freed them. You can read about that in Acts 16. But it was after. They, so that's why I say that the words that come out of our mouth and our praise and our thanksgiving can be a powerful offensive weapon because it was after they chose to praise and pray and sing that then God performed the miracle. In the same way, Jesus is giving thanks for the fish and the loaves and then the miracle of the multiplying of the fish and the loaves happened. So we can make a choice to trust God and to voice that trust by praising Him. And when we do so, something is released in the heavenly realm. Spiritual laws are activated. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, David is another example. He wasn't always king. Many, many hardships you read about in in the Old Testament about what David went through with Saul chasing him around in the desert, yet he chooses uh, to sing. Uh, and I mean, David wrote a lot of the Psalms, so uh, you wouldn't... If you were reading the parts where he's being chased around and, and his life is in danger, you wouldn't think of him as being somebody who'd be writing a bunch of psalms. But he says in Psalm 59, But as for me, I shall sing of thy strength. Yes, I shall joyfully sing of thy loving kindness in the morning, for thou hast been my stronghold. Behold, wow. God is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my soul. That's David again in another psalm. So we can likewise make the same choice that we're going to choose. In, in short, our task is to keep our eyes on him. And our words are a, a, a reflection of who is the source of our trust. So you might think back of your words over the last few days. If somebody if somebody was just happened to be around you, uh, would they know that, that you were looking to God as the source of your trust by what came out of your mouth? Or were you complaining about this or that and all the things that aren't right in your life? We can make some I, bad confessions sometimes, can't we? Yeah. A sacrifice isn't a sacrifice unless it costs us something. And oh. I'm you're sure you're familiar with the verse... Uh, he who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. Have you ever uh, thought about that verse in the light of, I mean, it's easy to thank God for all the things that are good, that are going right in your life, but okay, you just lost your job. Well, thank you, Lord, that I lost this job because you must have something better or different for me to do. I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're excited about everything that happens. But if it doesn't cost you something, it isn't a sacrifice. It's easy to thank God for the good things, the blessings. That's so true. Uh, but when when the testing comes, uh, will we will we praise God or will we curse Him and die? Because ultimately, <laughs> the only way we're going to make it is through the Lord's help. And I think 
Well, so that's like David purposed to glorify the Lord with his mouth. He went through probably a lot more persecution than than the average American Christian has ever gone through. And yet he purposed to glorify the Lord with his mouth. In Psalm 145, he said, I will exalt you, my God, the, the King. I will exalt you. That's a choice. I will do this. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. And then jumping down to verse 6, they will tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Then in verse 21, my mouth will speak praise, will speak in praise of the Lord. That's a choice, and that's a choice we make every day and in every situation. Jeannie, is a day coming coming soon that we might uh, not even be able to read the Bible, that it might be taken away from us? That could well be, and how important to hide the Word of God in our hearts now while we have a chance. So we're talking about um, speaking the Word of God, um, praising the Lord, being careful what we say. You know, you wrote a book called The Victory Bible Reading Plan. Ah, yes, that is something that... Uh, the Lord gave to James. Um, we had in our, our Christian newsletter that we had published for, well, we published it for 20, uh, over, well, I, I kept it going after James was gone, so I don't remember. Twenty. That was a newsletter? Years. Pardon me? That was a newsletter you published? A newsletter, yeah. It was uh, It was the End Times News Digest originally, and then uh, later I changed the name to The Cutting Edge. Okay. And we published a couple of different plans to read through the Bible in there. And, and even James and I, as much as we believed in, in spending time daily with the Lord, reading his word and letting him speak to you, we'd get bogged down. Sometimes you'd miss a day, this or that, we're traveling or one thing or another. Um, but the Lord woke James up at 2.30 one morning and said, I want to give you a plan to read through the Bible in a year. And he'd learned to walk with God and obey, so he said, yes, sir. And by the time I got up about 5.30, he had about 75% of it down already. And there's just an anointing on this plan, Shannon, that I I haven't experienced with any other uh, guide to read through the Bible in a year that I had ever tried. And we've had countless people say the same thing. It's been translated into close to 20 languages, if not 20 by now. Uh, We've published a few different, like we've got a Chinese version and uh, the Spanish version's out of print right now, but it's in Russian and all kinds of things and helped countless thousands of believers around the world or people around the world develop the habit of reading the Bible regularly. And what is special about this plan is that it's not just um, Genesis, Exodus in that order like you'd read a book from back to front. But you read an Old Testament reading, a New Testament reading, and a Psalm or a Proverb every day. And then the Old Testament readings are broken up in that if, say, you're reading through First and Second Kings and maybe the prophet Amos is prophesying, then you break over, read the book of Amos, and then come back. And so it would, it would make his writings come alive in the time frame that they were, with the events that were happening in the world at that time that were going on. And we've had just so many people say it's made the whole Old Testament come alive to them because of the chronological way that you're reading the Old Testament. 
And then it's not just Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, but it's Matthew and then First and Second Corinthians and then Mark and then, you know, and so forth, so that the New Testament readings are broken up too, where uh, the Gospels are sort of interspersed. And Well, this is cool. I'm looking at the booklet here, folks, and the Victory Bible Reading Plan, uh, the Bible will come alive. So you, you basically open it up, Jeannie, and, uh, for example, today uh, is, uh, what, we're already in September 22nd? Over here in my time zone. Uh, well, so you open up into the booklet, folks, and over on September 22nd, it says, Today you're going to read Psalms 83, Luke 4, and then Jeremiah 14 through 15. And so it tells you what you need to read today, and then you have a little checkbox. You can check it off, and uh, you can keep your place. Okay, and then you've done your daily Bible reading. Then tomorrow comes along and says, I need to read Psalm 85 and Luke 6 and then Jeremiah 18 through 20. So you're actually, um, you've got a place to re- record where you left off, and it's got a, a whole plan that uh, you're reading multiple books at the same time then. Yeah, so you get an Old Testament and a New Testament reading and a Psalm or a Proverb every day. And well, the Psalm and the Proverb are like the icing on the cake to me. You've got something that to look forward to. And you can use it different ways. There's uh, some instructions in the front uh, explaining. You can either uh, start with today's date, whatever it is, or what I would suggest is just start at the beginning and ignore the date and just check off uh, uh, check off one day at a time. In a year yes. from today, you'd be all the way through the Bible. Wow. You know, I was ashamed. Uh, I, I grew up in the uh, the church. Uh, both my grandfathers were uh, ministers. Um, I had a great uncle who's a minister, and you know, we went to church uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and uh, you know, I had a Bible like everybody else, but uh, you know, I would just read it piecemeal. And for the for for the longest time, I was ashamed that I said, you know, if I ever stood before God, uh, I would not be able to say that I've read the whole Bible. And I said, why is that? It's not really a big book. It's just, uh, you know, I had time for everything else, but not reading the Word. Yeah. And I said one day, I, you know what, I'm going to make a, a point of doing it. And so I got the Bible, and I just said, I'm going to jump in in Genesis. And folks, um, you know, it was a struggle. You know, the devil will fight you. He doesn't want you to read the Word of God because it's a supernatural book of God. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's the sword of the Spirit. It contains the power to set you free and set others free through its words, and um, it'll change your life. And so, you know, many of us uh, will try to read. We get kind of sleepy. You know, there'll be an interruption. You know, how often do you try to get the Bible and read it and a phone call will come in? (laughs) You know, the the devil, Jeannie, will actually try to stop people from reading the Word of God because he's afraid that when they uh, get into it, uh, they're going to be powerful for God. So, uh, you know, anything that can help you get organized, I think, is a good thing. I would read, and uh, I didn't really have any way to keep track. I mean, I had one of these little, you know, most of these Bibles have a little uh, piece of string. What do you call it, a little bookmark? Yeah, a little bookmark, uh-huh. You know, I would put it in there, but uh, I never had really a great stopping point, so uh, I would sometimes come back and read the same chapter over and over again. It took me a year and a half to read the Bible, is my point. Well, that's okay. And, I mean, a year and a half is better than not getting through it at all. But, you know, but I mean, I would rather somebody do that than get discouraged because they missed a day because they were sick or something and didn't, sure, you know, or whatever. Uh, but but this is is 
a great way to get through the Bible and stay on a schedule. And yet it's not too much to read. But you're not trying to plow through all the Old Testament and not having something, you know, the way it's broken up, it's it's not too much. You can read it in about 20 minutes a day. And we, it's been so popular that we also have, uh, it's just a little booklet that fits inside your book, your Bible, and it's like a bookmark. It doesn't take up a lot of space, and it's handy, like Shannon said, to check off a, a, a day's reading at a time. But because it's so popular, we, we did a Christmas card version and a gift card version. So you you can give it instead of a birthday card or a Mother's Day card or a Christmas card where people would just think, oh, that's nice, and then throw it in the trash. So for about the same cost, you're giving somebody something that's going to be a, a gift and a blessing to their life all through the year. And we've had many people call up and say, somebody gave this to me years ago. I don't know where they got it. And I've read the Bible through 15 times and my copy's falling apart. Can I possibly get another one? <laughs> because well, you know, people will read it again and again and, and you know go through the year again. So it's you're really giving somebody a valuable gift. We've had churches order them by the hundreds and get their whole congregation reading through the Bible on the same schedule. And it's just really helped the spiritual caliber of the church. The church just taken a, a, a notch jump up spiritually and spiritual maturity when people get into the Word and God starts speaking to them individually. And that's why I told you when we talked earlier that this may be the most significant thing we ever published for that reason alone, that at the beginning of the show I was saying the thing that I see most important is spiritual preparation, learning, getting to know God intimately, personally, learning to hear his voice and recognize his voice because you never know. Someday he might say, drop to the ground, and a bullet swishes over your head. Wow. What if you're not in the habit of, of, of listening to God and asking him about everything? And so this is another tool. It's a way to get people to start hearing from God personally through his word. And his word is not the only way, but it's one powerful way that he likes to speak to believers. It's got a lot of his heart in it and the character of God and his mercy and his grace and and so many things. I mean, and it's a book. It's a living book. It never gets old. The more times you read it, there's still things that the Lord can speak to you through it. Amen to that. And you know... um, Reading a novel again and again, and you're tired of it. No, it's it's alive and, and it's the living word. So uh, that what I was saying earlier about fifty percent off. If again, if your listeners, uh, that would apply to this Victory Bible Reading Plan too. It's normally two dollars and twenty cents for a copy. So for half of that cost, if you want to mention that you were listening to this broadcast. Oh my goodness, that's awesome! Uh, you know, this is perfect for somebody like me because I'm can be so disorganized, Jeannie. And um, I'm always saying to myself, you know, if I can just get a schedule going, then um, I can feel like I've gotten something done over the course of the day. You know, there's so many time bandits in life. And a lot of us suffer from lack of organization and disorganization, and uh, we need time management. So this is a really cool way to conquer um, the problem of, Getting through the Word of God. You'll find out, folks, if you haven't read the Word of God, that once you get through it the first time, you say, wow, that wasn't that hard, really. What took yeah, me so long? Right. <laughs> yeah, and, no, there's a great sense of 
a victory and accomplishment if you've never read the Bible. And, and there's a lot of Christians like that. I, yeah, I was there once too, where I hadn't disciplined myself to read all the way through. Like I said, we were we were planting or printing other people's plans in our newsletter, and I had a hard time getting all the way through the Bible. But there is an anointing on this plan, and and not because we did it, but just because it was something that the Lord brought about. It it is He's used it and He's blessed it. There's one ministry that does that uh, called One Bread Ministries. And this brother was so impressed with this plan that he started a ministry with nothing in mind but buying this plan and trying to encourage Christians across the nation to get reading the Bible together. Wow. It's a very, very powerful tool. I mean, the Word of God is powerful. It does not return void. Um, Something else that I put together, uh, the first edition a number of years ago and then uh, two and three a couple of years ago, is Wisdom for Living. Um, I don't know if I sent you one of those or not. It's a little purple book, just the size of a like a pocket back pocketbook novel, maybe a half inch thick spine and smaller size. This What's wisdom from it? Around. There's nothing in it but scripture, but it's in short, easy to uh, digest chapters, um, verses like maybe a chapter on angry or anxious or discouraged or in the later books, versions 2 and 3, or editions 2 and 3, there's a chapter on marriage and money and contentment and just different topics. And you can either read it, um, start at the beginning and just read a few pages uh, like a devotional every day, or you can turn to the topic. It's it's alphabetical. The chapters are in alphabetical order uh, of whatever uh, that you might be struggling with that day, whatever life issue. The the reason I put it together is for people, well, it's a, for Christians who do read their Bibles, it, it, it can be just a helpful little handy devotional. I've got a, a, a pastor's wife, friend of mine, she says, I have used that book so much, talking with people on the phone and, and praying with people when I just need to, to uh, quickly find a scripture on a certain topic to read to them on the phone. So that type of way is one way to use it. But it's a great book to give to anybody who's either uh, doesn't read the Bible, a Christian who doesn't read the Bible, or somebody who who is not a believer. Because even people who aren't Christians, most people recognize that the Bible is a book of wisdom. Yes. The subtitle on this book, Under Wisdom for Living, it says, uh, Gems from the Book of Wisdom. Give us an example. Uh, give us one of the gems. Uh, well, let me grab the book. <laughs> and if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Omega Man Radio Network. We've got Jeannie McKeever on from the uh, the Cutting Edge. Um, they are a first class uh, book publishing company, folks. And uh, any company that uh, goes by the name Omega is got thumbs up from Omega Man right here. I have. <laughs> Three copies, in fact, of uh, the book Christians Will Go Through the Tribulation. I, I believe it was such an awesome book that I actually went out and hunted copies of this down. And uh, I always had a dream that if I could ever have a uh, radio show, I wanted to go and actually track down the authors and get them to come on. Um, and, you know, I didn't know that you had as many books as you do. You all have got all kinds of cool subjects in here. Well, from, I um, love books. I really do, and I know everybody's going to computers, but I still like having a book in my hands. 
And these these Wisdom for Living books, another reason they're a good gift is they've got attractive font oh, yeah. uh, on, on on both of them. But any, the, let me first finish why what brought this to mind. Um, we were saying that the Word of God does not return void. Right. When you start reading through the Bible, like the, in the Victory Bible Reading Plan, when you start reading through the Bible regularly, you're giving the Lord an opportunity to speak to you, and and His Word does not return void. Well, this Wisdom for Living book, uh, another way to use it is to give it to non-believers because a lot of them are going to think, oh, well, that's kind of neat, and it's a way, a neat way to introduce them to the Scriptures when maybe they would not pick up a Bible and read it. And I have an example of that. When I did the first edition, um, which is, in, I don't know, 2003 or something like that, I sent out a little mailing here locally in the valley where I live, and I saw a woman that was one of the people on that little personal list that I sent it to shortly after that, and she said, well, thank you for the book. And then I saw her about a month later at a Christmas party, and she came over and grabbed a hold of my arm, and she said, Jeannie, thank you so much for sending me that book. It saved my life. And I said, what are you talking about? It saved your life. And she started telling me the story of how she was reading just a few pages that her, she had it on her bedside, and she'd read a few pages every night before she went to bed. And God just started really speaking to her through the scriptures in it and showing her the people that she was hanging around with were not a good influence on her. They were pulling her down. They weren't good for her. She needed to get that close to God, and, and she went on and on. And and it just it demonstrated for me a truth that I, I knew was reality, but when you see it demonstrated in the life of someone you know like that, it's like, wow, God, that's really powerful. So, I mean, that was somebody I knew where this book in the Word of God did not return void, even though she was just reading some selected scriptures under these topical headings, still the Holy Spirit was able to speak to her through it in a really powerful life and a way and turn her life around. So you were asking for a gem from life-changing gems from the Book of Wisdom. Yes. Um, Psalm 119.105 is right at the beginning before I start the chapters. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Here's one under the chapter of suffering, uh, 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. I, I love this <laughs> scripture because it's um, it's so well. Peter could be writing to to you and me just as easily as as who he was writing to when he wrote the letter. But it says, "Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though Uh-oh. some strange thing were happening to you. But to, to the degree that you share." The sufferings of Christ keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of His glory, you may rejoice with exultation. I just I get tickled whenever I read that because don't don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing. And yet, what do we do? We get in trouble and we're going through some kind of testing, and we're always surprised. It's like, why me, God? Why do I have to go through this? Because he's more interested in the development of our character than he is in our comfort. Yes, that's so true. Um, it's actually it's a blessing to go through tribulation for Christ and suffering. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I'll wow. just say on that um, that Wisdom for Living book, the the first edition of that, I can extend that fifty percent offer on. I can't do it for the 
the the second and third editions because I'd be losing money if I did that. I only printed a, a small number of them, so my cost per book is higher. Well, you know, I, I, I've got to meditate on that word. I mean, um, the fiery trial. So does that mean yeah. that um, the, the trial, it'll last only so long, and then we, if we make it, we can break through to the other side? Oh, it could be yeah. just a testing yeah. period? He also he also doesn't allow us to be t- tested beyond what we're able to bear. Uh, right. First in Corinthians that I don't have at hand right now, but uh, yeah, in the second verse there, and Peter said, "But to the degree that you share in the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that you also, at the revelation of His glory, you may rejoice with exultation." He's gonna. He's not gonna bring something upon you that he's not also going to equip you to go through. Um, My pastor recently was talking on the subject of grace, and we tend to think of grace as, well, saving grace and important in salvation, amazing grace, but grace is just as necessary after salvation every day that we live as a Christian, but I don't think we really realize all that is available to us in in grace. Mercy, it's like on an axis, a negative axis, negative numbers and positive numbers and zeros in the middle. Mercy brings us back. If we were like minus 100, mercy brings us back to zero. God's grace gives us plus infinity. And if all we had was God's mercy... Uh, we would still be at zero. But God's grace, he not only saves us from our sin, from our selfishness, from our self-centeredness, from our doing our own thing, and provides the way of escape through Christ, but he also provides the grace to see us through whatever he leads us into. Um, Yes. and, And that's the part of grace that... That's that would be a something I would encourage anybody listening to to start asking the Lord regularly to sh- give give you a revelation of His grace because it's a much bigger subject than we tend to realize. It's His grace that empowers us to go through whatever comes, and so if those fiery tests come and trials. It's God, God's grace that will see you through, that will empower you, that will equip you to be able to use your words as vessels of, of, of healing and, and, and wisdom and, and tools to bless others. You can't do that on your own. We can't do anything on our own. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. It's only by His grace, not only that we're saved, it's only by His grace that we can have any hope, hope of living uh, a Christian testimony that gives glory to God. We can't do that in our own strength. Oh, yeah, maybe here or there we might be able to do a good deed, but if we're expecting a pat on the back for it, then we're operating in pride anyway. But yes. to really live as Christ did, as beacons of, of light and life and supernatural healing with every word that we speak, with every deed that we do, with every with our heart being right all of the time, we can only do that by God's grace. Amen. And uh, I found that verse, uh, when you're referring to it, it's 1 Corinthians 10.13. It says, uh, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, 
that will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So that's comforting to know that um, God's not going to just leave us hanging out there. I mean, he he will put us uh, into situations to uh, teach us, to train us, to test us. But um, he won't put more on you and I than we can bear. And um, praise God for that. That's a really good scripture to memorize. Absolutely. It means that, uh, yes, there is, uh, let's see, it's like just before dawn. How does that go? The darkest hour is just before dawn. There we go. <laughs> yeah. It's light comes in the morning. It's not going to last forever, folks. Um, but uh, if we don't know Jesus Christ, then we really we have no hope. So praise God for his son and that he's made a way of escape for us. Is it possible, Jeannie, to enter into the rest of the Lord, regardless of what's going on around us? Well, talk about the Holy Spirit leading you. My brother, because, and and why I'm laughing is because I just opened up in Wisdom for Living 3 that I had gotten up when you asked about that other ver- that other book. I grabbed Wisdom for Living 3, too, because out of the three books, this is my favorite. And I, I had opened up to the chapter on rest, and yes. I had my finger in it, and I was just going to comment on it when you asked me that question. <laughs> so that sounds kind of like the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? Amen. Um, yes, it is, but only by his grace, like everything else it is we can we can try by the sweat of our brow to do something like that, but it is by his spirit that he leads us into his rest, that he teaches us what it is, and I think it's intricately involved with trust, which is also one of those lifelong lessons of really learning to trust him in everything. It's like maybe we learn to trust him in our finances or some area that that he can be trusted. Okay, so then along comes another challenge like, but can we really trust him with our children? You know, or can we really trust him with our health if some sickness comes upon us that we weren't expecting or we weren't prepared to how to handle? It's like... uh I've heard the analogy to why do we why do we have to have tests when we're in school? Nobody likes tests, and yet there's always the pop quizzes or the whatever, the tests at the end of the year. But really, there's a good reason for a test. It's not to make you sweat and feel bad. It's to see whether or not you've mastered that last segment of material. And if you haven't, then you need to go back and have some more review until you learn it because that's material that you need to know. And so spiritually speaking, it's really the same thing, that if we're in a test, it's because the Lord has been teaching us some things and and, and we need to find out how well we've mastered that material. And if we haven't got it, then... Uh, you know, then we need to do some more review. Back to that song that... Um, is on that, uh, I guess it's on the Holy Holy CD. It says, uh, the second verse starts out saying, Testing me, I'm failing. Aching eyes look to you. All of us could probably sing that line to the Lord. I mean, yes. times when all of us feel like we're failing Him. And then the next line goes on to say, The warmth of your love, all I need, you're all I need, because He is. It's His grace that sustains us and equips us 
to live a victorious Christian life. So yes, we can enter his rest. And what I was going to say about the subject of rest, when I had my finger in this chapter, is uh, I pulled together, and I'm not saying that any of these topics in these three books are, are exhaustive uh, on all the scriptures on a given topic. They're not. But I pulled together, I don't know, about ten pages of verses and passages on the subject of rest, and it is powerful to sit down and read all of those in one sitting. I I can almost guarantee you, you won't come away with the same impression or idea of what rest is about. It's just powerful. I, um, I And I've experienced that after doing the research, putting these books together, and then reading them through again just in my own devotional time. Some of those chapters, and this is one in particular, the chapter on rest, is just powerful to read that grouping of scriptures together, and God gives you a whole different revelation and understanding of the rest of God and how important um, the Sabbath rest is to the Lord. We tend to kind of sometimes, what's the word I'm looking for? We don't put the same importance on it that God does, but he told us, you shall work six days, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during plowing time and harvest you shall rest. We tend to think, well, I've got a deadline, so that doesn't really matter today. You know, and we plow ahead and, and work seven days a week. And and God told us to rest because he knew that we needed it. He knows our needs better than we do. Amen. And uh, I'm a firm believer of that, Jeannie. Um I was raised in the church, and we were always told, you know, um, the Sabbath, you know, is a day that um, you go to church. You know, I can't, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't cut grass and so forth. And I have to say, my belief is that, um, you know, you can worship God any day that you want. I mean, you can go to church Monday through Sunday. If you want to go to church every day, that's great. I, I don't take any issue with when people want to go to church, but I believe that uh, um, the Sabbath is something. Uh, very specific that you know that it predates even the Ten Commandments, folks. Uh, what did God do? He created the earth and He rested. And um, we go through life, okay, uh, working seven days a week. Sometimes, <laughs> one time I had to do that. I worked uh, two years straight, and just life was just going by to blur. And I was thinking, what am I doing here? Yeah, and you, you know, all used up. And pretty soon you don't have anything to give. We will we will burn ourselves out uh, if we're not careful. And you know God didn't design us to do that. He wanted He created uh, the Sabbath for man, right? Not man for the Sabbath, and yeah. um, wanted us to set aside a day to just recharge our batteries, you know, rest from our works, trust God that He'll meet us, meet our needs if if we'll have faith and take a day out and rest. Uh, fellowship with the family, you know, get some sleep, um, you know, praise God, you know, just uh, not go out there and try to try to make the bucks. At least that's the way I look at it. I'm, t- I'm trying to get the full revelation, Jenny, but I'll tell you what I personally do. Go ahead. I agree with you on that, and I don't, uh, and I don't, I agree with you that the day that you take for that day of rest is not as significant as, as taking it. I mean, making, I mean, God created the earth in six days, and on the seventh day He rested. We're made in His image. Yes. We think we are that that we can go seven days if God Himself 
took a day to say it is good and to rest. Not that he was tired and he needed it, but he knows that we do, that we're not, like you said, we need to recharge our batteries. And and I think that, when, well, for me, when I put all these scriptures together and then I read them through like that, I mean, it was so important to God that there was a death penalty if you didn't obey that commandment. <laughs> That's kind of a way of underlining it and saying, hey, guys, this is important. Uh, have... <laughs> When Jesus came, did he do away with the Ten Commandments? Folks, um, you know, look at the Ten Commandments. Honor thy mother and thy father, thou shalt not murder, uh, thou shalt not steal. Those haven't been done away with, so why should we think that, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, has been done away with? Uh, I believe that it's, it's still in, in force today, Jeannie, and I believe that uh, those that will keep the Sabbath, they'll rest from their works, the rest of the Lord, They'll come aside for 24 hours. I believe that God uh, will bless the rest of the week. They'll be blessed with good health. And uh, they'll be able to, you know, to say, hey, I'm, I feel recharged, instead of burning themselves out early. Yeah, they did an experiment, and I don't remember who did it, or it was quite a few years ago that I heard or read about this, uh, of a... Uh, a four-day work week, a five-day work week, a six-day work week, and a seven-day work week, and and they whatever they found, definitely you needed a day off. The, the seven days in a row doesn't work. That people need some time off. And, and I'll tell you what I do is uh, you know the the Jewish people, uh, you know they uh, they know it best. I mean they have been. Uh, honoring a Sabbath day since the beginning of time. They usually, I believe it's Friday night sundown and Saturday night sundown. I try to do that, and uh, I'm not going to be legalistic about it and say, you know, you can't leave your house or you can't cook or you can't do this. Clearly, uh, I don't believe that that's the, the spirit of it. I believe that, uh, you know, just putting aside some time and not, you know, working to make money. And uh, what I'll do is I'll shut down typically Friday night, Jeannie. And I'll tell you, I've trained my body to just kind of shut down. And when it comes about Friday night, it's like, I say, praise God, I can rest. (laughs) I need a break. And, uh, you know, I'll just, uh, next 24 hours, I'll just uh, recharge myself. And then I'll I'll get back up. And it's liberating um, because then I I know that I've I've obeyed God. And then um, come Saturday night, personally, I believe, you know, I end the Sabbath and then, um, you know, you can go to church Sunday, but I don't feel guilt anymore, Jeannie, about Sunday because I realize it's the first day of the week. If you've ever been to Israel, folks, uh, you go over there, the, Sunday's their first day of their work week. And so uh, I used to feel guilty like I was going to go to hell if I uh, if I did anything other than go to church on a Sunday. And so... Uh, <laughs> What I mean to say is, I believe that they're two different days. I mean, you know, I believe that the Sabbath is a particular day, and I believe that, you know, you can go to church Sunday or any day of the week, but um, they're not necessarily the same day. What's your thoughts on that? Um. Or what do you do? Do you or is this is the Sunday Sabbath to you, and that's just the day that you'll rest? What do you prefer that, to do? That is what I do. I know there's a lot of people who feel strongly that it should be on the Saturday Sabbath, and and if I were going to be legalistic about it, I suppose I'd be a Seventh-day Adventist. Uh, and I'm not that, by the way. I want to give that impression. 
but I, I just, but I, I think that the, the the spirit of it is the important thing of six days shall you labor and and one yes. shall you rest and the like you said of of keeping a day holy to the Lord. I mean, somebody might have a job where they 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 work on Saturday, and so for them, they've got to pick another day. Maybe they work on Sunday too. Sure. They're, so you know, maybe Monday's their day off. And I'm not going to judge anybody on that. I mean, look. Uh, I think uh, keep, keeping one day holy to the Lord, because that's what yes. I read in the scripture. And I would agree with you there. I mean, look at Chick Fil A, for example. Have you ever eaten a Chick Fil A? You ever heard of that uh, no. fast food chain? No. It's very famous out here on the East Coast. It's a place they have a great chicken sandwich. And you know what? You couldn't go in there on a Sunday and buy a chicken sandwich if you wanted to. He shuts down. Is that and, right? Yeah, he's open six days a week on the, the seventh day. Uh, I mean, on Sunday, what he'll do is he'll shut down. And, you know, God has blessed him so him. bountifully okay. that uh, they've got chains now all over the country. And, um, you know, they're always packed out. So, you know, God will honor people that keep his word, and uh, I didn't mean to get off into a really a debate on which day you keep it but uh, or how you keep it. I'm just in agreement with Jeannie that uh, uh, I believe the uh, Sabbath is in effect for today, and you'll be blessed if you keep it right. and relax, you know. And me too on that. But like Exodus 35, 2, for six days work may be done, but on the seventh you shall have a holy day, a Sabbath of complete rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. There was a death penalty for disobeying wow. that. And so that's how strongly the Lord felt about it when he gave that law. And so who are we to say that, that, that this isn't important for us, too? Again, he knows our needs better than we do. Amen. But I, anyway, I brought up that chapter just because I, I think that it, it's an anointed chapter. There's, it's really powerful reading through those, those scriptures together. Another chapter that I just happened to have my finger in here in this book three, Wisdom for Living Three, is promises to overcomers. Um, if I were going to pick the two, my two favorite of all the books that James wrote, I would say my two favorites are, are one called You Can Overcome and one called Become Like Jesus. Become Like Jesus, well, both of them really get back to the subject we started with at the beginning of your broadcast about spiritual preparedness. Yes, ma'am. Uh, the most important way to be prepared is spiritually of knowing the Lord, first of all, receiving his free gift of salvation through Christ. But then a lot of people get satisfied with their walk there and they stop. But God has so much more for us. And he talks about that in the book called You Can Overcome, about what does it mean to be a bond slave of God and what does it mean to be an overcomer. And there's a lot of scriptures that kind of uh, tie those two together, uh, and he and he talks about that in that book. And then and then in the book Become Like Jesus, it's it's like well the Bible talks about being holy. What does that mean? Well, Jesus was our Savior and is our Savior, but he also lived an example of how to live a victorious Christian life. And so if you if you want to know about being holy or if you want to know about fasting or healing or, or any of these things, look and see how Jesus did it. And so he took some topics like that and went through chapter at a time and dealt with them. Well, how did, how did Jesus heal? And so really, if we want to grow up into maturity in Christ, 
looking at Jesus as not only our Savior, but also our example of how to live a, a victorious Christian life is a way to go. And that's what, those are probably my two very favorite of, of about 30 books that James wrote. Give those two titles out again. Uh, one is You Can Overcome, and one is Become Like Jesus. Unfortunately, I'm totally out of soft facts of Become Like Jesus, but I do have a, a small number of uh, of hardbacks left, but I've got so few that I can't do the that that 50% um, offer that I made to your listeners. I can't do it on those two books because I don't have enough of them left. But they they're they're both very good books. But anyway, in this chapter on promises to overcomers, um, there's some really interesting promises that in if you read in the first well chapters two and three, I guess it is in the book of Revelation, uh, where Jesus speaking um, through John, who had the vision in Revelation, he made promises to each of the seven churches uh, that is addressed in those letters, just like Jesus' letters to the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3. And to each of the churches, he made a a promise to the overcomers. So that's a chapter in this book. And... uh, and what does it mean to be an overcomer? Well, really, it, it gets back to being a bond slave of God. Jesus referred to himself as a bond slave of God. Paul referred to himself as a bond slave of God. What does it mean to be a bond slave of God? Well, in the Old Testament, um, a passage in Deuteronomy, I believe it is, but I'd have to look it up, it, when uh, the year of jubilation came, and Jubilee, I mean, excuse me, Jubilation, Jubilee, and the indentured servants were set free. And what if a a slave had, maybe he'd been with his master a long time, and and maybe his master had given him a wife, and by that wife he'd had, had children, and maybe he was a good and compassionate master. Well, this slave would have the choice of coming to his master and saying, I love my master and my wife and my children. I don't want to go out as a free man. I want to stay and and serve you all the days of my life. And so he would have the choice to do that, in which case the master then took on the obligation of continuing to care for the needs of this slave. And then they would take an awl and punch a hole through his ear, and that was a sign of a bond slave. And what a bond slave meant was he was, at that point, a voluntary slave. He'd chosen to remain an indentured servant, even when he could have gone free in the year of Jubilee. Well, that's what God is calling us to do. That's what Paul said he was. He was a bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said he was a bond slave of God. God doesn't want us to be just satisfied with with salvation, like it's, okay, now we got a ticket to heaven and that's all that it's about. No, it's about learning to be his disciple. What does the disciple mean? It means that you you walk in the footsteps of your master. You learn from your master. And um, and that's what this book, You Can Overcome, is about, and then become like Jesus, kind of that fleshed out in, in trying to walk as Jesus walked. Well, you said something interesting there. You said that uh, when the uh, the slave who was going to be freed, if he chose to stay and you know stay with his family and uh, be a servant the rest of his life, then the master of his house was obligated to meet his uh, needs. Correct? Exactly. And we often don't 
we think of the oh this guy got a, a, a free slave, but we we don't recognize the the master's obligation that he's taking on, and that's the obligation that God takes on with us too when we commit our lives that way to Him. Well, Amen. You know the word says, "I will meet all your needs according to my riches and glory." Exactly. Uh, that gets and, uh, back to the grace then again that that He will take care of us whatever comes, and that's why spiritual preparation is the most important because He will lead this one to do this, he'll lead this one to make those preparations. One way or another, if we're tuned into him, he will take care of us. Amen. And uh, what Paul said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging bread. Yeah. I believe it was Paul or was it Solomon? I, I think it was Paul. Uh, I'm in the Psalms, I think. I would have... Oh, was that David? Okay. But but uh, the, the word is still uh, to the point here. Um, Whatever is coming in these times, uh, if we will rest in the Lord, uh, we can make it. And uh, if he tells you to do something, then you do it. He's already seen what's coming, and he knows how you need to prepare yourself. So some will be called to physically prepare. Uh, some may have no resources at all, and, um, you know, he'll provide for you through someone else. Uh, yeah, he we can make can it... do that, or he can provide supernaturally, like he did with the manna in the, in the Hebrews in the, in the wilderness. Or he may know that you're going to be martyred, or he may know you're going to go up in a, in a terrorist attack like the Twin Towers. Who knows? God knows. We don't yes. know, but what we need to be is obedient to his voice of whatever he's telling us individually to do. Amen. If, if God is omniscient, he knows everything, uh, how can we outthink God that uh, we know better than him? He knows the best thing for you and I, folks. So the best thing we can do is get a, get aligned with his will, and everything will work itself out. Amen. So uh, I want to thank you for coming on tonight. This has been a great uh, discussion. And, uh, Jeannie, go ahead and give out uh, your contact information again, how people reach you. We've got people in the chat room saying, I'd like to email Jeannie. How do I do that? So what's the best ways they can reach you? The email address would be edge, E-D-G-E, at... The hyphen cutting c u t t i n g hyphen edge e d g e dot o r g. That's the email address. Website is the same as the last part of that. www dot the hyphen cutting hyphen edge dot org. And the mailing address is the Cutting Edge Ministries, P.O. Box one seven eight eight, Medford, Oregon. 97501. The phone number is 541-826-9877. That's 541-826-9877. And again, what I, what I talked earlier about was offering any of your listeners 50% off on anything that we publish, of which I still have a, a significant, uh, number of copies. That would not apply to the, the, Become like Jesus' book that only have some hardbacks left and you can overcome. Um, but the other things we talked about, the preparation package of the Self-Reliant Living, Preparing for Emergencies and Self-Reliant Living Workbook with all the photos, um, you can have that for half price, $45 instead of 90 plus whatever shipping and handling is. Um, the Prophecy Trilogy, that was the rapture book. The Revelation for Layman and the Future Revealed, three good books on prophecy. 
that would be fourteen dollars for the instead of twenty eight, and that's in, um, all of these would include shipping, but the shipping would be different for each of them. Uh, the Mighty Mouth, my book on the power of your words. Uh, there's a lot more in that that we didn't get into. That's normally nine dollars. Half price would be four fifty for the book plus shipping. And the Victory Bible Reading Plan, we talked about reading through the Bible in a year. Uh, really cool book, uh, yes. Half price, that's a dollar ten at half price. I didn't talk about financial guidance. That's a book James wrote that would help you in financial preparedness. I would also offer that at half price, five dollars instead of ten. So, and the CDs, um, Jubilation and uh, Holy Holy. If anybody's interested in one of those, um, I guess I could do those at half price too. Awesome. And what I'm going to do, Jeannie, with your permission, is I'm going to. Take the song I meant to, to play tonight. I'm going to pull it off the CD and uh, play it over the next couple shows, and then I'll put a link back to you. Uh, folks, she has an anointed voice, so you're going to love this music, and we, we will put it in the next program. But uh, I would encourage everyone to get a hold of Jeannie McKeever and the thecuttingedge.org, the, uh, the uh, website I put up in the show notes, and to order some of these books. These are awesome, and uh, you know, knowledge is power, and... When the time that comes, the time prepare is over with. So um, if you'd like a, a good place to get started, uh, these books, I would say, would be it. Uh, for, for us, again, who have been raised in the city, know nothing about preparation. Uh, you've got to start somewhere. So this is a great primer on it, so I re- highly recommend them. So, uh, Jeannie, thank you very much uh, for coming uh, out tonight. May the Lord richly bless you, and uh, look to have you on again soon. Well, I look forward to that, Shannon, and wonderful chatting with you. And may the Lord be with you in, in all that you're doing, and may his anointing be upon this show. And and uh, warm greetings to all of you listeners. I hope we hear from you. Praise God. God bless you, Jeannie. Have a great evening. Okay. Thanks, Shannon. Good night. You've been listening to Jeannie McKeever uh, from the thecuttingedge.org. And uh, it was a pleasure to have her on tonight. Uh, I've got a link up to her website. I'm going to order some of these um, through the Bible in a year. And uh, if you would like one of these, uh, write in to me and I'll send you a copy. Uh, she is offering 50% off on most of the books. So just uh, you contact her, tell her that the Omega Man sent you. And uh, I'm holding a copy of some of these that she sent me, Preparing for Emergencies, uh, Self-Reliant Living. These are some great books. They're really beautiful, too. They did a really good job on them. Some books out there, you know. People make they're really cheap, put together really poorly. But no, this is a professional printing company, and uh, they've been um, teaching people uh, how to live during hard times for you know several decades. Uh, that's again how I found them uh, through one of the books uh, written by her husband, Dr. James McKeever. So very well respected people, and the knowledge here that they they give you here in the books very important to have in these days to come. Well, we've had a long night tonight. I want to thank everybody that uh, tuned in way back at the 8 o'clock hour. We had uh, Charlie Holtzhauser in the first program. Uh, we had Jeannie McKeever in the second program. And we've got a lot of great guests lined up for you this week. We've got Benjamin Brook coming on the program. We've got uh, Charlie Holtzhauser uh, back on, on uh, Thursday night. I've got Steve Bell on Friday. Uh, we've got uh, Dr. Pat Holliday on Saturday. 
so uh, praise God. In fact, I believe Benjamin Brook is going to be on tomorrow uh, in the uh, 11 o'clock hour. So uh, you, you definitely want to tune in. be a great program. We're going to also have uh, John Franklin from Canada. Looking forward to having him on at 8. So um, 8 o'clock uh, Sunday night. So, my goodness, we've got so many guests coming in. I've got to uh, make sure that uh, I plug them all in here tonight before I forget. Um, praise God, he's really creating some favor. And uh, I'm hoping to have uh, even more guests on as time goes on, uh, talking about a variety of subjects. Uh, you know, our main focus, of course, is spiritual warfare and deliverance. But there's a lot of other great topics that we're going to talk about as well as time goes on. So, uh, again, God bless everyone uh, for tuning in. I would ask that uh, you would spread the word about Omega Man Radio. Uh, our official website is omegamanradio.com. Uh, from there also, I'm building a links page uh, for people to go to and if they would like a, a quick resource to get to some of these ministries that we're having on. Um, we've got a question here from the chat room. It says, why do you command demons to go to Tartarus? Uh, it says, where's that in the Bible? The only time I've seen that is in Wonder Woman uh, graphic novels. Well, there are uh, several locations uh, in hell. And uh, the Bible talks about uh, the uh, the fallen angels who left their first estate and came down and mated with women over in Genesis 6. Some of them are right now chained in outer darkness uh, awaiting... Uh, final judgment. You know, they haven't been cast into the lake of fire yet. What we believe is Tartarus is the lowest compartment in hell, down there where uh, those fallen angels are being chained right now. And, of course, uh, if you go back and look at the Greek, you've got several renditions. You've got Tartarus, you've got Hades. A guy who really knows a lot on the subject is Bill Weiss, who spent 28 minutes in hell. If you've never heard his testimony, we're going to get him on. Uh, basically, it goes like this. He was uh, he came home from church one Sunday night, went to bed. It was going to be just another night for him, he thought. And what happened is, uh, as soon as he fell asleep, he started to fall. And he fell, <laughs> he fell, literally, into hell and was down in, uh, you know, found himself in a, um, a hewn-out cell. And, uh, you know, totally pitch black. I'm not going to give his whole testimony, but uh, God showed him a glimpse of what was awaiting people whose spirit leaves the body and they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ as a Savior. Uh, he was tormented by uh, demons who would rip off his arm and it would come right back instantly. I mean, he felt incredible pain. He wanted to take a breath, but there was no oxygen. He was thirsty, but there was no water. He had all the sensations that you have now. You know, you want to sleep, but he could not sleep. You know, what is it like to go on two or three hours of, uh, of sleep? You know, you feel like a zombie. If you have to go to work and you went to bed too late, uh, imagine that for eternity. You want to sleep, but you'll never sleep again. Uh, if you had a physical uh, impairment uh, or a handicap, well, you know, when we when we step out of this Bible body as Christians, we'll take on a glorified body. So you may only have one leg right now. Well, you'll have two when you get up there. I mean, in other words, uh, you know, anything you've got wrong down here, if you're blind, where well, you're going to see in heaven. Well. According to Bill, whatever you go to hell with, you're going to keep for eternity. And, uh, you know, just the torment, uh, you'll never... I mean, we could do a whole program on this, but my point is, is let me get back to your question, Think Tank. Tartarus, uh, it's clearly mentioned in the Bible. 
Um, go back into the Greek, and um, basically, uh, as I've started to interview a lot of these deliverance ministers, um, you've got a couple options here. You know, clearly you can you can send a a demon to the dry places. Okay, you just cast one out. Well, we like to send them somewhere because if you cast them out, they might hang around or run down the block and jump on somebody else. I mean, that has been known to happen. We had one guy that said he cast a demon out and jumped out and went down the street, jumped into another dude, and he stabbed a man. I mean, so we want to take them out of commission, okay, so they can't uh, go to hurt someone another day. And uh, so I talked to Norman Parrish. I talked to a couple other ministers. They said uh, the demons hate you threaten them to go to Tartarus. That's what Rich Keltner told us the other night. He said, you threaten them with Tartarus, they start to scream. Because uh, that's apparently a very horrible place. It's like the outer darkness. Um, that's one place. Um, Dr. Pat Holliday, me and others, we'll send them to the foot of Jesus to be judged before their time. And where does that come from? You know, well, the, the demon said, uh, have you come to judge us before our time? You know, the Bible also says, do, do you not know that we'll judge angels? So uh, what you're doing is you're sending them to Jesus Christ. He goes ahead and judges them, and they're they're gone. Okay? Um, you can also, um, you know, like I said, cast them to dry places. One demon told Derek Prince, he says, I'm not coming out. He said, what do you mean you're not coming out? He says, you, I'm not coming out until you tell me where I'm going, where to go. And he says, well, then go to hell. And the demon says, okay, thank you, I'm gone. I mean, <laughs> So it, it seems to me you have some leeway on where to send them. I heard one guy sent one into uh, a fish, and it's swimming down on the bottom of Lake Erie right now. <laughs> That's pretty wild. Uh, we've also sent them, you know, into uh, other regions. Uh, like, you know, come out, and I'm, I'm going to send you to Africa. And, uh, you know, demons are territorial. You know, they're territorial spirits. And, uh, you know, they may be assigned to a particular geographical location. Now you rip them out and send them across the world. They're going to go into the territory, and the demons are going to rip them to shreds. You know, there are battles going on in the spirit realm. So, uh, you know, uh, as you move down the the road of uh, spiritual warfare, you learn a lot of things in the process. And, uh, you know, hey, I'm new to this thing. Uh, you know, you got to learn uh, from those who have come before us. And there's a lot of wisdom from uh, people like Dr. Pat Holliday, who's been battling demons for decades. Uh, people that have died went on home be with the war, like Wynn Worley, Derek Prince, Steve Bell. Um, you know, he's, he's still alive, and he's got a lot of experience to share. He worked with Frank Hammond, you know, Pigs in the Parlor. Um, I love Dr. Pat Holliday, though, because, you know, she can articulate it so well to where it's easy to understand. And I told her the other day, I think you've written more books now than Wynn Worley did, so congratulations. Uh, she's a prolific writer. So if you're out there tonight, Dr. Pat, listening, shouts out to you. So that's my take on it. And you know something, if it, you know, folks, you try it. If it doesn't work, then um, move on to something else. You know, um, we learn a lot of things through experience. And so, uh, you know, the, the important thing is just, you know, get the demons out. You know, do you want to keep them in? Uh, they want to stay in, okay? But we've got to evict them, kick them to the curb. Because remember, uh, if it wasn't for the grace and mercy of God, uh, we would already be dead. Okay, because these things want to kill you, they want to steal from you, and they want to destroy you. They hate your guts. They don't even understand the concept of love. So why a person would want to hang on to them, I have no idea. You know, they will torture you. Uh, they will keep you from being all that uh, God has intended you to be. 
and uh, they'll rob you of your blessings. You know, they'll rob you of uh, peace and joy. They'll destroy your family if they can through drugs and alcohol. You know, um, they'll try to take your kids out. You know, there's some that will be driven to suicide by these demon spirits because people didn't deal with them. I'll be honest. I'll tell you the honest truth. I went out today, and where was I? I was out, um, coming, I think, out of a grocery store. Yeah. I went over there to the grocery store today, and I'm coming out, and I heard this uh, child pitching his fit. Don't touch me, Mama. Don't pull my hand. And I don't think this child was more than about two to three years old. I mean, it was young. I mean, it was forceful. Uh, and it was giving the mother just a hard time, you know. Don't touch my hand. It must have been about three years old for it to speak like that. But uh, I was thinking, whoa, that child's got a demonic spirit. And, you know, Derek Prince would comment on it. He said, if your child pitches a temper tantrum and you don't correct them, uh, after the second or third time, you can almost be guaranteed a demonic spirit's going to enter into them. So, yes, uh, demons can enter into uh, even the womb. Okay. Uh, they come down generational lines. They can come in through temper tantrums, anger. You know, come in at, at a young child, like uh, in the case of Colin. You know, he was uh, two years old. The lady talk called in tonight that uh, the child, you know, was uh, demonized, and and today he loses time. Uh, you've got to deal with these things. Uh, oh, yeah, there was a demon... Uh, <laughs> Revival Fire is asking about sleep. There was this demon that uh, Rich Keltner cast out the other night, and he was arguing with him. Don't cast me out. I just want to sleep. You know, the, the demon just wanted to sleep. Uh, you know what? They um, they don't have bodies. That's why they want to jump in you and I. They want to drive us like cars because uh, it's like the Avatar movie, you know. Uh, they jump in your body, and then they'll control you. Uh, they want to experience physical pleasure. Okay, they'll drive you, and you won't even know uh, why you're having this desire to do the things that you're doing. It's a demonic spirit driving you, and you've you've got to take control of them, or they're going to take control of you. And um, you know that's what it's all about. They they ride people like machines. I bet if we could get a, a glimpse into the spirit world. You would see people going down the road, and most of them would have a, a monkey riding on their back, you know, a demon. You know, they come in various shapes and sizes. Some are like little spider monkeys, and they've got some other ones that are like big gorillas, or even bigger. Uh, and, you know, uh, we're talking to Romeo. He says, uh, you know, what a lot of us are doing, what are these animal spirits? You know, if you could see a manifest, they might have a head like a bear or a lion. Or, you know, Rich Kilder saw one the other day, and it manifested as a crab. And literally, the person was manifesting in, uh, their hands took the form of a crab and it was trying to, you know, uh, uh, you know, trying to, uh, what do you call that? Like, uh, grab with the claws. <laughs> and then a bear one manifested. I mean, folks, I mean, don't ask me why they take on animal shapes. I have my theory on that. You know, Genesis 6 talks about uh, the fallen angels. Some of them came down and mated with women. They created these gigantic offspring, the Nephilim. I believe is the term. And uh, these were the mighty men of valor. I mean, you know, the mighty men of renown. Um, you know, they were half human, half angel. Uh, grew to enormous sizes. Uh, they were very evil. Okay, they became cannibalistic. They ate everything in sight. They, were, they started to eat people. And uh, they were mating with everything. I believe that uh, 
the truth be known, they were mating with uh, animals. And I believe that, you know, we we have some of this, uh, what you call Greek mythology, half man, half animal. The Chimera, C-H-I-M-E-R-A, Google that. Uh, any of you all see that recent movie that came out a few months ago? You know, the one where they're doing the genetic uh, manipulation, and they, they it's called Splice. You see, if you saw that one, you want to get a glimpse of Genesis 6, watch that movie. I came out of that one. And me and another guy looked at each other. We were disturbed after watching that. We said, man, that's a glimpse of Genesis 6 if I've ever seen anything. And they're doing that in the lab, folks. Uh, The FDA has just approved a new salmon, okay, that will grow to uh, twice its size and, you know, less the time that a normal one will will grow, uh, if I'm saying that correctly. I mean, it's like a monster fish. And you know what? Uh, You've got no idea what happens when you eat it. You know, they're taking and splicing um, human genes with animal, okay, plants with animal. Uh, there's so much genetic manipulation going on. And then you've got the genetically mo- modified foods, you know, the Terminator um, seeds of Monsanto. You know, Monsanto, by the way, is the same company that created Agent Orange back during NAM. Okay, I was in NAM at 68. I mean, I know what I'm talking about. Just kidding. <laughs> See if you're awake out there. <laughs> but no, seriously, Monsanto, Agent Orange. They've come back and uh, GMO foods. Uh, go Google a term called Biochip Island and type in Elba, E-L-B-A. That was an island where um, Napoleon Bonaparte was exiled to today. Um, and for probably the last 20 years, they've been doing like an island of Dr. Moreau style operation down there, biochip, you know, human and machine um, combining. Uh, I believe that they've probably been working on the Mark of the Beast system down there. It's just my, my thoughts. Chimera research, you know. Uh, I believe this stuff exists. You know, it's uh, it's against the laws of God, but they've tried it before. That's why God had to destroy all mankind. Only eight were saved. It says Noah was the only one perfect in his generations. Not meaning he was perfect, he didn't sin. No, that's not what it was about. It means that he had not been genetically mutated. Because Satan was trying to destroy mankind, and if mankind could be destroyed, there could be no plan of salvation. Jesus Christ could not come. He was trying to wipe us out then, and he's probably trying it again now. So there was genetic manipulation going on. Interbreeding between the angels and men and animals. It was getting pretty creepy back there. They were starting to eat each other. Uh, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the day of the coming of the Son of the Man. They were eating and drinking and giving a marriage and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. That's interesting, huh? As we had in a uh, previous broadcast with uh, Minister Fortson, we were talking about Genesis 6 and the Nephilim. Steve Quill, one of the most prolific writers on the issue of Genesis 6 account. Go check him out at stevequill.com, a good friend. Uh, if my understanding, if my my memory serves me correctly, he has giant bones in his possession. I mean, they found this stuff all over the world, folks. These are real. I believe it was the Nephilim who, uh, and probably the fallen angels that created the pyramids. It takes some pretty big guys to move those blocks around. Come on. With the precision that you couldn't even get a piece of paper between some of those blocks? Come on, we can't even duplicate that today if we wanted to. All right, we think that we're the most intelligent 
um, civilization of all time. I don't take that you know, linear view of history. I believe that we've got the roller coaster ride of history. Okay, we'll start out at a point and increase the knowledge, and we just may go all the way back down the track again and bottom out. I believe they had technology prior to the flood that we can't even come up with today. They've got parts of India, folks, that uh, they've got radiation sequences over there, okay, that match an atomic bomb. And they've got areas of the desert that are complete, you know, like uh, sheets of glass out there. Radiation in the desert, you know, in some of the Indian history, it talks about there was a, uh, a war. And it describes the same effects that would happen in a nuclear war today. Um, you know, the Earth may be older than we think. There could be a lot of time between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Yes, I believe we've had about 6,000 years since the time of Adam, but um, how much time did the Earth exist prior to that? You know, God comes down on the scene. Everything's dark. Waters, you know, the, the face of the deep covered the Earth. And God says, let there be light, and he parts the waters and separates the two. Was there a, a deluge? A, a pre-flood. It seems to me that uh, if things were in chaos, God doesn't create things from chaos. I mean, like that, imperfect. He was, I believe, coming back on the scene, thawing the planet out. You know, if God were to pull his glory away, we would go into instant deep freeze, and would, we'd be thrust into darkness. That's just my take. I believe that uh, something was going on here prior to Adam. I believe the earth could be millions of years. That would be in line with the Bible. Okay? Uh, that's just my take. I believe there's a lot of things that we don't understand. We, we never will. We look through a glass darkly right now, but soon we'll see face to face. Some of these things we won't find out until we, we make it to heaven or, you know, make it uh, into the new, the, 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 you know, the thousand-year millennial reign. You know, this earth isn't about to be destroyed, folks. Maybe in life as you knew it is. But uh, after Christ comes back, you know, um, after the day of the Lord, we enter into a thousand-year millennial reign. This earth is going to continue going on. In fact, I believe Zechariah talks about there will be a time where everybody will be required to come up for the Feast of the Tabernacles. And if you don't do it, judgment will come down on you. God will pour out plagues, famine on Egypt. Interesting, huh, that we've got the Feast of the Tabernacles. What is it, coming out this weekend? I know nothing about the Feast of the Tabernacles, hardly. You know, I was raised in the uh, in the church. It came out of Babylonian sun god worship, you know, like all of us here in the West. You know, we've all been shaped by uh, the pagan Emperor Constantine, who took the world at that time that was made up of Jews, pagans, and Christians, okay, and what he did is he tried to merge it. He changed the, the times and the season. Everybody in the known world kept the Sabbath back then. He changed it from Friday night to Saturday night sundown to Sunday in worship of Saul Invictus. And if you go look at a picture of Saul Invictus, he looks like our, our modern pictures of Jesus, except he's got a halo. And his actual birthday was December 25th. Did you know that? December 25th wasn't when Jesus was was born. That's when Saul Invictus was born, though. And out of Babylonian sun god worship, goes all the way back to uh, Ishtar, okay, and Nimrod, 
and I believe her name was Tamaramus. You know, she land, she was supposed to reincarnate it as a uh, egg-laying rabbit in the river Euphrates. I can't just regurgitate that whole story, but some of you know what I'm talking about. And I think Rando needs to go sleepy. It's Mimi time for Rando. Um, <laughs> I think I need some more coffee. Or should I let you all go to sleep? What are you all doing up so late, by the way? No one says you have to be around for six hours of video. I know I'm long-winded. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we've got so much stuff that came out of um, Babylonian sun-god worship. You know, we brought the Christmas tree out. We've got uh, Easter egg hunting. We've got Halloween. Hey, speaking of Halloween, listen, right down from where I'm at, I went down to the post office, and they've got this uh, sign there. It says, Spirit, the spirit of Halloween. How sick is that? And I didn't go. I didn't even dare step into the store. But it's just all this Halloween ghouls and goblins and tombstones and just the most wicked-looking angel of death right there inside the store. The spirit of Halloween. There is a literal spirit, folks, of Halloween. October thirty-first. We should not be practicing that crap. Okay. We bring judgment on our head. We open up demonic gateways of. You know, knowing the ways of the heathen, we're not supposed to be going around celebrating all uh, All Hallows Eve. Go back and research that. Witches, witches were going around uh, back during the Druid time, and they would knock on your door, and you would have to bring out a uh, a virginal daughter for sacrifice if they knocked on your door. And if you didn't, what they would do is they would uh, mark you, and they would curse you, and uh, they would capture people and roast them alive, all kinds of torture. It was horrible. It was like, you know, back to the Hawaiians, they would take someone and throw them into the volcano. I mean, this is evil stuff, folks. This is a, a high Sabbath day for the witches. They're going to be kidnapping people and doing blood sacrifice. Where do you think all the people in the milk cartons went? They kill people for a living. That's why I have no mercy on the witches and the warlocks. It says, suffer not a witch to live. I do ask God sometimes that he spare them. But, you know, when they're starting to put curses on you and send demons and astral project to kill you, put that mercy on them and take that, I don't ask for those curses. So if a witch and a warlock messes with a Christian, you know Sarah's spiritual self-defense. You can turn that stuff back around on them. You don't have to take that crap. Excuse my French. I get a little bit angry here when I hear that uh, witches are sending curses of leukemia and cancer to kill people. It happened last week. Folks, this is this is real stuff that we're talking about here. I mean, we talk about all kinds of stuff on this show. I had We, we went from Babylonian sun god worship to uh, back to witches and warlocks again, but it's the truth, what I'm saying here. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. But we hope to give you some knowledge on the Omega Man radio show. And I see our listeners just, I mean, just lighting up. I think a lot of you are night owls like me, or maybe you're listening from the West Coast. I'd love to hear from you, though. Email me at uh, Shannon at OmegaManRadio.com. And we're going to be lift, lifting the cover off a lot of these uh, pagan worships that, uh, you know, came out of uh, Babylon. And that, you know, God doesn't want us to have a, any part of. Says, 
God wants us to come out of the midst of Babylon before he pours out his plagues. Interesting, huh? But, uh, yeah, the uh, the first pope was Constantine. He was pagan. If I'm not mistaken, he killed his wife and his son. And he sent his mother around to, uh, you know, look for holy sites. And she would say, oh, I think this is where they had the, uh, where Jesus was crucified. I think this is where um, Mount Sinai was. And she had no idea what she was doing. And they've got all these hallowed sites over there, but none of them are the sites of the true locations. You know, and you change the Sabbath to Sunday and worship with the sun god, you know, Saul Invictus. And I'm not a, uh, a Sabbatarian. I guess that's what they call them. No, but, but I do believe in the Sabbath. Uh, I'm not going to be a Pharisee and tell you how to keep it. That's between you and God. But I believe in a day of rest. And uh, I believe in, uh, you know, coming aside for 24 hours, recharging your batteries if you can. I think it's a good thing. I believe in getting back to our roots because the church has divorced itself from its roots. We've got no idea, in many cases, how they walked in the early church because, you know, we've been corrupted. So we need to get back to the Word of God. We need to uh, question these practices and, and realize that many of them are pagan. We need to come out of the, you know, the, this worship of Halloween, for example. And learn about the Feast of, of Yahweh, because clearly some of them are going to be kept in the new millennium. Don't take my word on it. Go read Zechariah, Feast of Tabernacles, for example. Now, I'm telling you this, and I uh, don't have any plans to go keep Feast of the Tabernacles, so I feel a little guilty. I've got to repent, but I have been offered to do that. But I need to get in gear and go over there and do it. I think you camp out for a week. I think it would be kind of cool. I think Zoe Mortal set it out to do one of them. I guess I'm just rambling on, uh, but I saw some of you still out there, so I guess you wanted to hear me ramble. Got about 13 more minutes. Uh, anybody for a uh, a chili and a double stack with cheese? You know, it's, uh, it's a poor man's dinner. You can eat that for $2.44, I calculated. It's not bad, actually. $2.44. You can have a double stack with cheese and a, a chili. I thought I would kind of... Uh, Rub it into some of you. <laughs> Get you hungry. <laughs> but uh, no, hey, I'm, ha I'm having a, a great time with the program. I'm praising God. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm learning a lot. Uh, I'm praising God for a lot of the uh, the guests that we're bringing on, like Dr. Pat Holliday, Um uh, that knows so much on spiritual warfare. Thank God that she is around to to uh, teach us what she's learned over 30 years in ministry. Guys like John Gogan, Charlie Holtzhauser, hoping to have Pastor Mike Thier on soon to preach and do a mass deliverance. Um, Steve Elbion, like I said this week, John Franklin, so many others. Talked to Patricia Xavier um, today. And uh, looking forward to uh, having her back on the program again. God bless her. And if you have a guest that you'd like us to uh, to bring on, just write in and let me know. We'll try to get a hold of them. There are some people that we have contacted, like Tom Horn. Haven't heard back from him yet. Maybe he didn't get my email. Some of these people are very hard to get. You know, you go to their website, they don't even have a contact phone number. I don't understand what that's all about. 
uh, or some don't even give you the uh, courtesy to write you back. And by the way, if I haven't written you back and you've written me, I apologize. I am one man over here. I wear like 75 hats. Um, and I've got several email accounts I have to check, so I'm trying to get organized. Back to this whole issue of Bible study. You know, I think that's a great way to get organized, have a little checkbook. I kind of need a checkbook for my life right now. I can say, yeah, this is what I need to do. I'm going to check it off and go on to the next. You know, that's the way Satan works. He will try to get us so confused and um, uh, distracted is what I was looking for, diverted, going down the wrong path, doing things that are not even profitable. Um, shouts at the man, child witness. Yes, Michael Boldea, uh, a friend of mine. I've known Michael since about 2005. Uh, he is a true prophet. He's seen the same angel that visited his grandfather, Dimitri. Uh, powerful word. He's a straight-of-the-middle-of-the-road preacher as I've ever met. I mean, he's solid in his doctrine. Got a lot to learn from Michael Boldea. God bless him. I heard that he just came back to the States. He'd been overseas for a couple months. Um, so we had uh, Gino Schmidt, the VP of Hand of Help, about two months ago, if I recall, and... Uh, I told him we want to get Michael on when he comes back, so I hope to have Michael on soon. Yes, Benjamin Baruch will be on. Looking forward to Benjamin. We're going to have a great program with him. Benjamin's also a good friend. I've known him since about 2003. I know a lot of people, actually. And then um, being able to do a program, now I can call on these friends and get them on the program very easily. So I'm praising God for some of the relationships that he's created over the years. Hoping to have Jonathan Hansen soon. WorldMinistry.org. Powerful man of God. If you've never heard of him, go check it out. WorldMinistries.org. Prophet Jonathan Hansen, a true prophet. We're going to have Scott Lathrop back on, Prophet Lathrop. Uh, shouts out to Marcus, big fellow out there. He still owes me some fish and chips. What's up with that, Marcus? Please send me a picture, man. I want to see what it's like to eat real fish and chips. Not Captain D's. Although, actually, I do like Captain D's. It's just, you know, if you eat a Captain D's, uh, you get the three-piece fish dinner. So you're all making me hungry talking about food. What's up with that? You know, it's kind of more crust than it is meat. They give you just a little bit of cod. And, uh, you know, I like uh, I like uh, fish. You, we've got a lot of fish over in Panama. Panama actually means abundance of fish. That's what it means. They had great food over there. Costa Rica, food sucks. And it's as expensive as Beverly Hills over there. I couldn't even afford a car over there. I felt like a pauper living in a third world country. I had to walk or take a taxi, and taxis are expensive. Couldn't afford to live over there, you know, and, and live like I wanted to live. Uh, but the food sucks over there while I'm thinking about food. But, yeah, Panama, fish, go back to Captain D's, and we're back to Marcus. You see, Marcus, you got me down a rabbit trail. It's all your fault. But, yeah, Captain D's. Uh, or Long John Silvers, as we call them. Do you remember Arthur Treacher's Fish and Chips? That even goes back, uh, way back. We used to have those up in Indiana. I wonder if they still have Arthur Treacher's. Yeah, Texas. Oh, fajitas, yes, I love fajitas. Manchild Minister says she's in Texas, and how about some fajitas? Yeah. Do you like chicken or steak better? Making me hungry right now, Manchild. Ah, uh, yes, fajitas, they're good. Uh, I have to stay away from Mexican restaurants, though, because they're very dangerous. You know, as I've always said, don't give me 
one chip and take away the bag. You know, I can just sit there and I could gobble down, um, you know, maybe two bowls of Tostitos with, if they got really good hot sauce before even the main course comes out. That's why I can't go to a Mexican restaurant uh, that often and keep my my figure. But yeah, Mexican food is good, and it's all about the chip. You know, they have to make them just right. What's interesting though is I never found a really good chip when I lived overseas. Not even in uh, when I lived in Mexico. I've been to Mexico, Colombia, uh, Costa Rica, as I mentioned. They make a really thick tortilla chip. It's not good at all. It's like we need to tell them how to, how, to, uh, how to make a real, you know, tostito. Nacho chip, whatever you call them, and salsa. Now they come pretty close with the salsa, but uh, the chips—they've got something to learn there about that. Um, yeah, so you make your own salsa. Wow, send me the recipe on that. Uh, have you ever had uh, guacamole dip? That stuff's good. You know, you take guacamole. I mean, you take an avocado. You mix it up with some uh, tomato and onions. That's really good. Then you dip your chips in there. That's great stuff. When I lived in Costa Rica, we used to have a tree, speaking of avocados. And um, I would go out in the uh, the yard where we rented this place. It had a really cool house. It was only like five fifty a month, which is amazing for what it had there. It had this, uh, you know, just beautiful. But back to the avocado. Um, avocados were just being laying on the ground. I would go out there and pick up seven or eight a day. We had avocados coming out our ears. But I eat avocados every single day. It's a good fat, by the way. If you can, you should eat uh, at least half of one to one every day. Unfortunately, they're real expensive here. What's up with that? That's crazy. But it's uh, it's great. But it's great with uh, chips and salsa. Yeah, guacamole. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, there's actually a brand of chips and salsa, which is not bad. It's called Chi-Chi's. Have you ever had Chi-Chi styles? That used to actually be the name of a big chain when I lived up in Northern Virginia. I used to go there every Friday night. I used to work uh, two jobs. I got off one night a week, and that was Friday night. And so I had a ritual. I'd go to Chi-Chi's for their salsa and chips, and I would go see a movie. But, uh, yeah, I used to live for Chi-Chi's. Uh, they went out of business, but they still make uh, salsa. You can buy it at uh, many of the grocery store chains. Actually... It's so good that the White House would order it. Because I worked at a company one time, and it was like a Mexican uh, company. And I remember the invoices. You know, they would order jars of Chi-Chi's and ship it to the White House. Back during, uh, I guess that was Reagan's day, maybe? Was it Reagan or was it George Bush Sr.? You know, they called him Poppy Bush, by the way. Poppy Bush because he uh, he smuggled uh, dope out of the Golden Triangle. Donnay. Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam, opium. That's where he got the name uh, Poppy Bush. He had Colonel Armitage working for him. Interesting, huh? Yeah, that's where he came from. You didn't know that George Bush Sr. also uh, had a company called Zapata Oil? You know, very, he, had, he also had connections to the Bin Laden family, and they were partners with the Bin Laden Construction Company. Now, Michael Moore brought that one out. I didn't know that until I saw that movie. Of course, I don't like Michael Moore. but I think he's uh, anti-American, but uh, he did come out with some truths. He just didn't go all the way in that movie. 
But I'm not just singling out George Bush. You know, it goes a lot further back than that. Probably all the way back to Franklin Delano Roosevelt. You know, he was crooked. Uh, but at any rate, that's another show. You know, why why we're in Afghanistan, you know. We reinstated the opium fields over there. It's a, it's a trillion-dollar cash crop, folks, opium. About the, about the pipeline to the Caspian Sea. You know, about uh, Tim Osmond, that was actually the double agent code name for Osama bin Laden. His name was Tim Osmond, CIA agent. He was dying, and uh, they used him as a scapegoat. We still never found him. It's interesting nobody talks about him anymore. He supposedly started World Trade Center bombing, and we're not even uh, concerned about him anymore. What's up with that? Yep. Poppy Bush. Poppy Bush. I often wonder, isn't he in like his 90s now? How can the guy like that, uh, after being involved in all that and being ready to meet his creator, you know, live with himself? You would think he'd be repenting. But I guess he's just totally deceived. Well, I just got the uh, two-minute warning. Uh, time is running out. I think I have talked long enough. Um, love to hear from you. God bless you. Keep you. Till next time. Till we meet again. Thank you for listening to Omega Man Radio. Our mission is to operate in the threefold ministry of Jesus Christ and take evangelism, deliverance from demons, and miracle healing to the world. If you would like to partner with us, you can support this work by donating any amount online at omegamanradio.com. Join us in an all-out attack against the hosts of hell. It's time to deliver a death blow to the enemy and take back territory for Jesus. Tell a friend and support Omega Man Radio.